You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and this time we're going to talk about another season of television with Arrow Season 6. But before we talk about that, let's meet our guests for this week. So, once again, he is your favorite video gamer. He is the guy that always has a drink in his hand, and you can't see it on Skype, but he is a Powerpuff man. And that is my buddy James. How are you doing, James? Doing pretty good, Nathan. Doing pretty good. So I don't think I've ever asked you about the Powerpuff dude before. So why the Powerpuff dude uh, image for Skype? <laughs> well, it's just something that I found like a couple of years ago uh, when they were doing the big reboot with the Powerpuff Girls. Um, they released this thing where you could create your own Powerpuff. And mm. I was just like, I feel like this encapsulates me so well. <laughs> the only thing missing from the picture is a drink in hand. But... <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be great for a Powerpuff generator is to have <laughs> right. the drink in hand option? <laughs> <laughs> so so what are you drinking today james oh so usually um i do have like a whiskey or a scotch but mm-hmm. uh today i'm actually i picked this up at costco a couple weeks ago and it's a game of thrones royal reserve collection mm. it's called hand of the queen and it's a barley wine ale the best part of it is the description on the bottom which says a beer for Tyrion, a full-bodied expression of a classic rich and malty barley wine ale brewed for those who drink and know things and i was just like i gotta drink that just for that right there (laughs) that's great (laughs) well how very fitting that you're choosing to use the 42 cast as the opportunity to drink that so yes yes (laughs) so um anything else new and exciting since the last time you were on um not at all uh it is hay fever season where i'm at Mm. so i'm just doing a lot of sneezing that's about the newest thing uh for my daily uh routine yeah no i know how that is i i've been doing some (laughs) sneezing today myself and yeah anyway (laughs) allergies (laughs) they stink (laughs) yes yes they do all right well it's good to have you back on james good to be back all right and next up You heard her talk about The Last Jedi. Uh, She is a huge Star Wars fan, and that is my friend Ashley. How are you doing, Ashley? Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I really enjoyed chatting with you about The Last Jedi, so looking forward to talking about something a little bit different with Arrow tonight. Yeah, I know. Yes, I was really happy because um, it's always difficult with these TV seasons because either people aren't caught up or, you know, they're, uh, you know, they only watch things sporadically. And so to find people who have seen the full season after it pretty much has gone off the air is is difficult sometimes. So I was happy to find out that you had watched it as well so that you could be on. And I have to admit, I am woefully behind on some of the other uh, DC TV shows. It's just like there's so much good content, TV, movies, everything now. It's hard to stick up. But Arrow is one of the ones that I've followed since the beginning. So I've managed to stay current with it. So 
curious to see what others thought about this season as well. Yeah, I am too. But uh, Ashley, what's uh, been going on for you since you were on to talk about The Last Jedi? Oh gosh, nothing too much. It's been kind of a busy summer so far. My husband and I just finished one home renovation project and are getting ready to start another. So it's kind of nice to take a break and have uh, some time to talk about some geek stuff instead of like paint samples and all that fun stuff. So Yeah. yep that's the whole reason why i run a podcast (laughs) yes it's nice to escape from all that other life stuff and just talk about fun geek stuff movies tv and whatnot yep all right well it's great to have you back on ashley thank you all right and i don't think there's anything more that can be said about the third person on this podcast i've pretty much said it all already in a previous episode he is uh the his image on skype though which i think is funny and i don't think i've ever mentioned before is sam the eagle in captain america's uniform so that is of course the man you love to hate ryan ryan how are you doing (laughs) you know even if you don't love to hate me if you hate that you love me i'm good with that too okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the opposite vibe of what i'm going yeah, for yeah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> either way i'm you know i'm living rent free in your head so, that's yeah. <laughs> so so ryan is there a story behind sam the eagle um as captain america probably but i unless you want me to make something up I don't oh, okay <laughs> no i you know when when i signed up for a skype account way back in a previous decade or whatever i needed i needed an icon and i thought well you know let me go find something cool (laughs) that's that's probably all it was too i think it was um i'm almost positive i stole it from some something else probably for july 4th or or something like that i think it even might even predate the mcu so i'm not sure it has anything to do with uh you know the new first avenger or anything like that but i could be full of it i don't know okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because it says something about people, like what they choose to be their avatar yeah. online. Thinking back, I, I want to say it actually, it was something that came out probably with the last Muppets movie or the one before that. And the last one I can think of is the one where they go to prison. So might have had something to do with that. Okay. Of course, he, he was like a CIA agent, Sam, or something like that in, in that one. Uh, he had the shield. He compared shields. Oh, okay, but that's a whole other podcast. For <laughs> <one of> you. <laughs> let's do a podcast. Yes. yes. Maybe maybe there will be a Muppet podcast someday. Yes. Dibs on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick question. What did you think about the Muppets revival? I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before. I felt like they were finally starting to get their legs a little too late. I'd basically given up on it, and then I think I binged the last half of it in two days, and I was like, oh, too bad, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, I was really disappointed when it was canceled, because like you, yeah, I thought it was getting better, and uh, then towards the end, I thought it was really good, yeah. and then, yeah, it was like, oh, okay, well. If I remember correctly, didn't they change, like, showrunners up or something like that? Uh, Maybe. I can't remember. There's so much geek news all the time at all, you know, about a year or two ago, I can't remember. I'm I'm, I'm just trying to keep track of whether or not Timeless is cancelled or renewed right now, so... Well, whatever you say right now, it could be the opposite, you know, by the time this premieres. Right. right. well, it's good to have you back on, Ryan. Good to be back. All right, and so next up, it is our five-minute controversy segment. And this week, thankfully, the internet handed me a nice and juicy one. So, Solo premiered uh, last weekend from when we were recording this. And, of course, expectations were 
very high for the movie, as with all Star Wars movies. And although it made a weekend take that any other movie would probably be happy with, because it was a Star Wars movie and there were certain expectations in place, it, it underperformed on those expectations. And in fact, everything that I'm hearing about this weekend is that it fell hard. So I haven't seen the movie. But, and that's not what I'm asking, I'm not asking about how good the movie is, I wanted everyone's take, because there's so many opinions right now, on why, you know, unseen, people were choosing not to go to see this movie. Well, I think this is one of those instances where, especially coming out of uh, The Last Jedi, which really seemed to to divide the, the fandom community, that this, that in a lot of ways, Solo suffered for that. It, it, it had an uphill battle from the beginning. No one wants to recast Harrison Ford. They changed the director, you know, third or, third of the, or directors, I guess, a third of the way But see, here's it. the funny thing about that one. People list that as a problem. Knowing who those directors were, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually happy with that news. I think Ron Howard's yeah. going to do a better job. Well, it, 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 I might have said that as well, except for the fact that the Russo brothers, I knew them from doing com- episodes of Community. Yeah, so and then right. suddenly they're doing... Oh, well, I know, but all the buzz coming out of the movie was that it was being played as a comedy, and so I'm glad that that was changed. So, anyway. (laughs) But I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, no worries. I'm just... It it just... I think it had more of an uphill battle than maybe any other one. And I think... There's kind of a maybe we've reached diminishing returns to to a point with Star Wars. I don't know if every year that might be a bit too much for it. Now you haven't seen it, so I don't want to spoil anything about it. But more so, even than Rogue One, even though this has Han Solo in it, it feels. I'm saying this having enjoyed it and probably going to see it a second time, but it feels the most unnecessary of any Star Wars movie I've seen so far, if that makes sense. If, if someone could watch everything else, every other Star Wars movie, and not this one, and they wouldn't be missing anything. Yeah, funny enough, that's exactly what a friend of mine said, was that when I asked him, how was it, he said, completely unnecessary. <laughs> and I was like, well, did that's you enjoy Right, I know, but I was like, did, did you enjoy He's like, oh yeah, it was fun. He's like, but it was completely unnecessary. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that that's how he led, and he was not—he's not like a dyed-in-the-wool geek that you know follows everything. Huh. It was that—that that was his reaction to it. But anyway, so James, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan's onto something with kind of what he was saying with like the whole diminishing returns thing. Is since the Star Wars franchise has kind of restarted, you know, in the last few years here, it's been the big hype. It's been all the excitement. There's all the excitement. The fact that uh, I think later this fall, they're opening Star Wars Land down in Disneyland in California. And then I think they were predicting like spring, um, maybe even summer. Um, if they get delayed in Florida, they'll be uh, b- opening the park there, uh, Disney World. So it's just it is it's it's all of this. It's it's a huge saturation of Star Wars, which is, I mean, awesome if you're super into star wars for the rest of the public that probably aren't super nerds about it (laughs) probably like another star wars movie and it's interesting to me to even observe that because we get a new marvel movie for sure once a year um we usually at this point end up with two maybe even three (laughs) yeah they're at three a year now yeah and nobody nobody in terms of the general public is oversaturated about a superhero movie at this point so it's interesting me to see that conundrum of like sci-fi kind of having this faltering area whereas we have you know something that is you know superhero sci-fi kind of stuff very much flourishing easily well the one thing i will say that is different though is that all the Marvel movies aren't branded with a single name. So it looks like it's a bunch of different franchises, 
Whereas Star That's Wars, true. they all say a Star Wars story or Star Wars right on them. So it is right. a little bit different in that respect. Well, and I think this was a concern as a lot of a lot of us in in the the, the nerd and geek community kind of had going when when they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do all these off spin stories. So you know, we're thinking uh, we're gonna do one for Han Solo. We might do one for Boba Fett. Um, you know, we might do one. Uh, for this uh, other character that you know, you kind of heard about. If you really know your lore, you'd know it. Um, like I, mean, I know, it's like I'm waiting for Salacious Crumb, a Star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, what are? Oh man, and and I mean, it's sad to me. Like I haven't seen the movie yet, but it's sad to me to hear that where people are just like, it's enjoyable. It's not a terrible movie by any standard, but it's so just unneeded. And that's the thing is like, if that's a general that's a general opinion of many in like in in kind of the nerd community i can only imagine how general audiences feel about it because generally if we're like eh, general audiences are one of two things they're either extremely excited about it and they're like oh my god it's like the best movie ever or they're completely the other direction and they feel even worse about it and they're just like i just didn't care it it I didn't like it, uh, whatever, and I, and that'll hurt it. I, I would like to just throw in there real quick that I think Star Wars would do better just owning the end of the year. Just stick to November or December. Uh, all the, all that they're doing here is competing with Marvel and the superhero movies and themselves. Well, uh, and well the extent. weird thing about that is that originally all these Star Wars movies were supposed to be in May and they all got pushed back, except for Solo for some reason. You know, because uh, the, the the original release dates for Episode 7 on were all in May, and they all got pushed back, and I'm still not sure why Solo wasn't pushed back to December. I mean, were they really worried about it competing against Aquaman? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Um, you got that wrong. It's just called Jason Momoa. Momoa Man. I'm here to look manly and talk to fish, and I'm all out of fish. <laughs> 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 oh, I love how it should have ended. Anyway, um, all right. Oh, sorry. So sorry, James. But did you have uh, anything more to to add? No, I mean uh, that's that really summarizes it for me. I think. Oh God. And uh, Ashley, I know that you were asking people online for opinions. So is there any is there any synthesis that you got? Anything that you know? Any essential truth or or anything you got as far as your opinion on? Uh... <laughs> Close enough, but (laughs) I think you guys have brought up some really good points, and I'll just kind of echo those. Um, Solo was by no means a bad movie. I really enjoyed it. It was fun, but I think the problem is, like, it didn't get the general public as excited. Like, pretty much everybody I knew went to see Episode 8, whether they were a sci-fi fan, a geek or not. The episodes are just something that you see. And I think, like you guys had said, I think it was a mistake not to push this later in the year. This would have made a great October, November, even if it wasn't a December movie. Because I think people have just kind of gotten used to Star Wars at Christmas time. Like, I, my coworker and I like to talk about Star Wars. And I was complaining. It's like, oh, I'm so disappointed. I'm not going to have a Star Wars movie to look forward to for December this year. And I think that summertime has just kind of become the realm of superhero movies. And it was hard for Solo to compete with the buzz around Infinity War. And I think even Deadpool maybe suffered just a little tiny bit from the buzz from Infinity War. You have Jurassic coming out. The Incredibles. There's just much on. And I don't think Solo could compete. And I think there's kind of the problems with 
shoots that were expensive. And I think if this had been a much more modestly budgeted movie, we wouldn't even maybe be having the conversation like a hundred million opening for a four day weekend would be good if this was a much smaller budgeted movie. But because of the reshoots and because Disney expected so many things, I think they just can't, if they want to have a cinematic universe like Marvel, they can't necessarily expect everything to do The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi type numbers. They may have to be content with having some smaller takes like not all the marvel movies earn a billion at the box office some of them are just a little bit smaller hits and i think two star wars doesn't have as much traction overseas which is probably a whole nother discussion for another time but they maybe can't count on those revenues either so i think this is a good opportunity for disney to kind of do some learning but i hope that this doesn't derail the franchise in any way because like i said i did enjoy solo and i do really like the episodes and what they're doing with these movies but i think they're just gonna have to maybe adjust their expectations for some of these spinoff movies and the fact that this franchise maybe can't sustain three movies a year like Marvel can, and that's okay. Yeah, well, the one I found the most interesting thing that I read on your post, uh, the most interesting reply was the guy that was saying that basically this is the death knell of Star Wars and... Oh. <laughs> Millennials don't watch movies in the movie theater, and therefore, you know, and it's it, you know the generation that watches movies in the movie theater are all going away, and Star Wars will never make any more money than Solo did. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of conclusions to draw from one movie that didn't hit yeah. as big as everyone thought that it would. Exactly, and I think the divide over the last Jedi may have played a small role, but I think there's a lot more factors involved here that can explain it. Even I know that people that enjoyed the last Jedi more casual fans are like, how don't really have plans to go see solo and probably just catch it on DVD. So I think that it was just a movie that fans, there wasn't necessarily a high demand for. And then just coming out on in Memorial day weekend, people are traveling too. So maybe Memorial day weekend is not even yeah. the best time to release a movie anymore. Yeah, I um I know from my point of view. I mean, first off, the interesting thing was uh, every year when I have my annual D and D game over Memorial Day weekend, we always take a break on Sunday and go see whatever Marvel movie is playing. And every year, Marvel the whatever Marvel movie is still playing on multiple screens. This year, Infinity War was only playing on one screen at my movie theater because Deadpool and Solo were running on so many screens and they didn't have the room anymore for Infinity War. So I thought it was interesting that Solo did so poorly, even though it was getting, you know, a wide release and, and, you know, was on a whole bunch of screens and everything. Now, I don't know locally whether it did, you know, better than average or whatever, but that that was what I saw. And for me personally... There was just nothing in the commercial for Solo that made me care. Uh, made me feel like this is something I really want to, uh, you know, go see. I mean, I have a knee-jerk reaction against what looked like kids cosplaying as, you know, two of my favorite characters in the Star Wars <laughs> franchise. <laughs> that just means you're old, Nathan. No, I know. I know that. And that's, and that's fine, because you expect that. But there was just nothing in the... I mean, it all looked fine, but it didn't look any more interesting than any other summer schlock movie. Whereas, I am invested in the Star Wars saga. You know, I want to see Episode Nine. I will see Episode Nine. you know, at some point during its run. I can't always do opening weekend, but I will try to see it as soon as I can. You know, Solo's just another prequel in a long line of prequels that I don't... None of the prequels have hit big for me anyway, even though Rogue One was definitely better than the three uh, Lucas did. And... <laughs> Solo just isn't it's not something I really need to see um, and I will see it at some point but it's not something that I'm really charming. and I'm not worried about spoilers because it's like I already know you know Han's background so there's there still a few though you know? <laughs> yeah. 
There is one big one. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, Greedo did shoot first. <laughs> Surprise! Revealed in the movie. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I don't know. I just, I just wasn't feeling it, and I think that's what a lot of people. I because I like the Last Jedi. I had nothing to do with the Last Jedi. I think it's uh, to to echo Ashley and you there. It's it's about managing expectations. Marvel, Disney doesn't expect everyone who sees Avengers to have seen Thor the Dark World or Ant-Man. I know, I, and there are people like that out there, and I'm still surprised. Yeah, well, <laughs> Like, the guy at my work who's seen, but, like, yeah, five yeah. Marvel movies and went to see Infinity War, and I'm like, how, how can you even do that? <laughs> it's strange, but it happens. I offered yeah. to go yeah. to his house and binge-watch the whole series with him, and he, he, he elected not to. <laughs> Some people make strange yeah, life choices. I, I know. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry I kept interrupting you. Oh no, I was just gonna say if this if comparing it to any of the the main movies to the trilogies is a mistake. If you have to compare it to another Star Wars movie, it would be Rogue One. Uh, that's that's really the only only fair comparison. And this isn't Iron Man or Avengers. This is isn't really even Guardians of the Galaxy. This is Ant Man. You know for the Star Wars universe. And like Ant-Man, you didn't have to see it to appreciate the greater Marvel universe, but it's sure fun if you do. Hmm. That makes sense. So, all right, yeah, I think we're all kind of in agreement. There's a lot of different factors there that all played a part, but probably it isn't some sort of vast, like, commentary on movie going in general and that no Star Wars movie will make more than $100 million on its opening weekend from here on out, so... <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Ashley, that rant, I was just like, what? What? <laughs> How do you? But the numbers. <laughs> I made two posts solo and they both the real. So it's like, I'm just up with the Star Wars content. We're just going to let this all down. Right. Yeah. Well, there were people reviewing the movie without having even seen the movie. And you know, I was like, okay, you weren't going to like it no matter what. You know? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Everyone I know who's seen it has said good things about it. So it's nothing about negative buzz or it's nothing about anything. Else. And that's why I said the fact that I haven't seen it is fine for me commenting on why people don't go to see it. Because we were all making the same choice, you know, that weekend as far as seeing it or not seeing it based on just commercials. I, I will throw out there, I didn't see opening weekend. I saw it uh, yesterday. Okay. And it, that's, I think, it's probably the first Star Wars movie in my life I haven't seen opening weekend. Hmm. Even you are sleep or er, slipping, uh, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Your love of Star Wars has failed you. <laughs> <laughs> that are my adult obligations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Alrighty. So yeah, let's uh, move on to our topic. But before that, let's pause for this promo from another fine podcast. Hey gang, are you looking for another podcast to listen to? Well, you're in luck. The Nerdy Laser is a podcast, and we specialize in 90s nerd culture. But we don't leave anything out. If something is cool and nerdy, we will talk about it. So join myself, Richard Yule, and a variety of guests on the Nerdy Laser podcast, available on iTunes, Podbean, and the ESO Network. My name is Oliver Queen. After five years in hell, I returned home with only one goal, to save my city. But I couldn't honor that commitment and honor the promise I made to the mother of my son. So I asked the best man I know to help. His name is John Diggle, and he is the Green Arrow. And we're back. 
And like I talked about at the top of the show, uh, we're talking about Arrow Season 6. Now, Ashley, you weren't around when we talked about Arrow Season 5 last year, but why don't you give it, because James Ryan and I have all talked about Arrow uh, a good amount, but why don't uh, you just give us a little bit of how you felt about the show moving into Season 6 from Season 5? Cool. Well, I I kind of personally feel still that the show peaked in season two. Like that has remained my favorite. I think just all the factors kind of perfectly aligned. The things that were happening with the characters, the actors, the story. But season five is probably my second favorite. It was a little bit on shaky ground after the third and fourth seasons. Some fans weren't too happy with some of the plot things that had happened. And it's a little worried how's this going to go for going forward. But I thought Prometheus was just an amazing villain. Like it just really kicked the show up a level. And there was a lot of energy There was a lot of suspense. The show went to some really dark and interesting places. And I thought the finale was really solid. So I was super excited for the sixth season, but also a little bit nervous. I thought, how are they going (laughs) to live up to that? Like after the kind of cliffhanger ending. And I had a little fear in the back of my mind. It's like, what if they can't top this? What if they kind of peaked again and they're not going to be able to keep this tension going? So... It it was kind of interesting to see season six. I would say I don't think they fully took advantage of the opportunity that they set up at the end of the fifth season, but kind of curious to hear what everybody thought as well. Yeah, uh, I think that you're in kind of the same place we all were talking about last season, because I definitely agree with you that season five was a a huge change of pace after three and four and was much better than, than those two seasons. And of course, it doesn't hurt that they reintroduced Slade, so that always helps. So <laughs> anytime he wants to come on is good with me. Right. Yes, exactly. But uh, so, yeah, so so how we ended our podcast was the annual death pool because Arrow is always obligated to kill off one character every season. And so we had the explosion on the island and... You know, here's the funny thing. I said that, well, we know oh, God. <laughs> we we know what William's mom is going to die anyway, but they have to kill off one of the main cast members, too, because otherwise we're not going to care. And that was the first thing that really threw me with this season and kind of upset me was that they just killed off William's mom, you know, and I was like, that's so bogus because I couldn't care less. William's mom and Thea in a coma was kind of bogus too I'm like just kill her off because Willa Holland obviously doesn't want to do the show anymore (laughs) you know just just cut the dead weight (laughs) I thought that would have been a great opportunity to kind of add a serious tone to the start of the season I think it kind of cheapens Adrian Chase a little bit in retrospective after all that magnificent plan he killed one person that kind of needed to die for the plot to move forward anyway so mm-hmm. hey is what it is. Diggle got nerve damage people <laughs> that's, that's true that's true and then we kind of forgot about it for a while so he could get on a moral high horse with Oliver and yeah yeah never mind anyway um, <laughs> so James what did you think about that just jumping right into it and you know the fact that we we really just had William's mom die. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. It was it was like I mean, we we lose Merlin to the fact that he suddenly decides to be a hero for Thea. Um, and I was like, that in and of itself made me a little sad because I was like, but, I don't like but, Thea. But okay, anyways. okay. Do you believe for a second Merlin is actually dead? I mean, I don't want to believe for a second that Merlin's dead because Malcolm Merlin's unkillable. I mean, this is a man who's had his arm sliced off. Uh, he's been dead before. And right. I'm just like, hey, nah, I'm good. I came back and I have some new evil plans. How about that? <laughs> like, it's, it works it's out the, really well. It's the same thing for him as Victor Garber. The next time they have a musical episode, 
he'll be back. Well, <laughs> here's the thing, though. I think the next time John Barrowman says, hey, I want to do an episode, they'll see, find out that, because you remember, the explosion happened off screen. They just heard the rumble of the mine going off. We'll right. find out that Merlin, like, shot an arrow at a nearby tree and, like, repelled away just before the mine exploded. Some goofy thing like that, and he survived. Or they're going to use the fact that there are more Lazarus pits that they discovered and that Merlin's followers are going to dunk him in to bring him right. back. There, there's going to be a way. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I would love it if Captain Boomerang also had survived that, uh, <laughs> just because why not have Captain Boomerang? <laughs> the problem is, I want it to be a better take on Captain Boomerang than that guy, because that guy isn't really all that good. No, no. Uh, but I mean, so yeah, I mean, the fact that, yeah, it's just William's mom, or William's mom, which I mean, really, the only point of reference we have about her is in a, in a couple of instances throughout the show. So it doesn't act like there's no levity to her death in any way shape or form for the audience you know we're watching the characters deal with it and you know they seem you know legitimately broken up about it but then you know within six months it's like oh but we're good now i'm dad and this is fine and right i mean for oliver it's a net positive right because he gets his son (laughs) with him and like he didn't know her all that well anyway she was just some girl he slept with when you know years ago you know and so it's like and now he gets to spend time with his son and and you know all that so yeah i i just yeah i didn't feel like there was really any kind of like significance to killing her off other than that they wanted Oliver to be a father now on top of being mayor and the arrow and everything else just to see like, well, let's have him juggle one more thing. Right. (laughs) Which I like overall. I mean, I was excited from the very moment he announced his candidacy for mayor. And and I liked the fact that he became mayor. And so adding father to that was a good idea, I think, in general. I just felt like the big explosion should have been a bigger deal. Yeah. But uh, just talking about sort of the main macro plot. So then we go into the Caden James situation. And I gotta say, I got actual chills when we find at the mid-season break that actually all of Oliver's enemies this season have been in cahoots, you know, the whole time. And that this has been like a big game that's been orchestrated. And I and I would have liked just one more level. I was just hoping, because of what was going on in The Flash, that the Thinker had actually organized all of these people against Oliver just to keep him from helping Barry. And it turned oh, out yeah. not to be that case, but I thought it would have just been a nice, like, interplay between, like, the two shows. I didn't like Caden James that much on his own, just because it felt like Prometheus just inverted. You know, because Prometheus was wanting revenge for the death of his father, and Caden James wanted revenge for the death of his son, and so in that way it didn't feel all that special. But then when they revealed that they had, you know, he and Anatoly and Black Siren and Vigilante and uh, Diaz were all working together... I was like, okay, that makes this interesting because now Oliver has a whole team of people against him uh, that are significant characters in their own right. But uh, so, so what did you guys think of of Caden James and and his first half of the season plot? I would say that in the first half, he wasn't as compelling a villain as I was hoping for, especially when you're coming off Adrian Chase, who was just amazing. Like it's really hard to kind of feel like you took a step down from that but I did also like you said I really liked the mid-season finale I thought that it injected some needed energy again into the show and I thought it was cool the end where you find out that Diaz is really just kind of manipulating him behind the scenes so I thought that was a cool twist and um, made Caden James seem more like an interesting villain in retrospect but overall he wasn't quite as cool or interesting as I think he could have been on his own well yeah that's why I mean the fact that 
he wanted revenge for the death of his son. It's like when you're going to pull something that's so close to what you did last season, you have to make this guy interesting in a way that's different from Chase. And I don't think that they got there. He was very matter-of-fact about everything. He, he didn't emote very much, just very serious, and, and it just wasn't, he wasn't an interesting character. The biggest thing that I think about when I think about him is the time that he was going to go to the internet and, <laughs> and the, the big place where all the mainframe servers for the internet are housed. <laughs> and he was going to break into the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was, I I wondered with that episode, like, do do the people writing this show, like, at all, like, I don't know, is there anyone overseeing it that's just like, I know it's a superhero show, but we need to have at least some element of fact. <laughs> you know? like, like, guys, we can't Adam West Batman this right, right. now. Like, we, we, we've got a way serious tone here. I know, that's like shark repellent, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so uh, Ryan, what do you think of Caden James? I think he was poorly cast. And, and I say that loving Michael Emerson. I've, I've watched him. He was great in Lost. He was phenomenal in Person of Interest. And it's funny because, like you say, Caden James was an inverted Prometheus. He was also an inverted Finch from Person of Interest, who in Person of Interest, he played a computer hacker who designed an artificial intelligence program that got loose on the internet. You know, I mean, that's, except he was good. Uh, And here he's the opposite. I think they, they had an opportunity to do something a little bit different. He, even his inflections were the same. Mr. Queen. I mean, he called it Mr. Reese in, um, in person of interest. It just, it just really bugged me. So Hmm. if they had recast him or at least played up the way he was tricked, yeah, we, we, we know that Diaz, I'm pretty sure it was Diaz, I don't know if they ever really explained who doctored the photo to set to blame Oliver for his son's death, then um, if, I don't know, if they'd had a chance to delve into that more, show his conflicted uh, state, then it might have been something, but I just, no... <sighs> Well, yeah, they tried to humanize him like either the episode where they picked where they where they captured him or the episode before. I can't remember the one where they show the flashbacks to him and getting picked up right outside of his son's ball game and all that kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, that that, that he became interesting just about the time they killed him off. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which feels lazy on the writer's part, because we should have cared a lot more about him and then been surprised when he died. Mm-hmm. It should have at least been... Now, the, the surprise there was, of course, oh my gosh, it, just this random low-level drug dealer <laughs> set, did, did this whole thing. And yeah, that was amazing. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to get to that in a, in yeah. a minute here, but yeah. But, okay. Yeah, the Kate and James part was just... He never felt very threatening. Even the whole, even the whole holding the city for ransom. I just feel like at this point in time, one, I don't know why anyone lives in Star City. <laughs> uh, and, and two, the the and I guess maybe this happened towards the end. But the federal government should have just come in and taken over the city. And if uh, years ago, <laughs> well, yeah, I've been saying that since season three because they had like the whole entire like mayor's office held for ransom again. Uh, way back in season three with some uh, random, like, I think it was called The Brick or something like that, uh, uh, you know, a bad guy. And it's like, the National Guard should be called in in situations like this, and it's never happened in Star City, and it's like, why not? 
I mean, when you, you when you think about the fact that Oliver has probably been the longest serving mayor Star City has had in a decade, right. that tells you how messed up this city is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very that's very true. Uh, and James, what did you think about Caden James? I mean, I'm kind of with Ryan because I watched all of Person of Interest and I loved all of that entire series, and I felt just the same. Where same kind of tonal things about the character were very, very much identical mm-hmm. to what he played in Person of Interest. So I was just like, it's like I'm watching a bad guy version of that yeah, guy. Bizarro and, version. Yeah, and it's just like all he needed was like the weird like mustache and the little like French goatee thing and <laughs> he just would have been the Elseworlds version. So yeah, I was just like, I I don't know how I feel. I, I agree. I don't I don't feel like he was threatening. I feel like his story arc got definitely more interesting once like as you said, there was the big reveal that he had teamed up with other bad guys of Oliver's past, um, or bad guys that he didn't even like know were a problem for him. And so it was it was compelling in that way. But just the story ended up being so disinteresting, especially at the big reveal of like, oh, it's all doctored. It wasn't Oliver. And it was just like, eh, I mean, well, yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, God forbid that Oliver have to deal with his past, you know, in a way that's actually like meaningful. <laughs> You know, hey, it's yeah. like yeah. if we've learned nothing else this show will blow up an island to kill the mother of his child so he doesn't have to deal with her right right <laughs> right i mean if anything the only way he is going to solve his problem is going can we have the room right. and like that's, that's the problem. You, you know i'm still waiting for the scene with him going to his mother's grave and saying mom we are so through now <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, not a very emotionally mature man, our Oliver Queen. <laughs> no. no. There's, one thing, there's one thing that Island did not do for him. I, I gotta tell you, though, seeing Anatolia there as part of the uh, Oliver's little personal Legion of Doom, that hurt. Because yeah, I, I love Anatoly, you know, ever since they introduced him in the flashbacks and everything. He, he's been one of my favorite side characters on the show. And, you know, I knew I knew that things had soured between them and everything else. But having him be part of Caden James' posse and then later with Diaz, you know, it's just like, oh, man, that is just that's too rough, you know. Right. So then we get to Diaz. And... I have to say, while while it was a surprise twist that, you know, the one guy that we didn't care about and was the least interesting of, of Caden James' group was the one orchestrating everything, you're left with the problem of it's the least interesting guy in Caden James' group that was orchestrating everything. Because I watched the last half of the season going, first of all, A, why is this low-level thug giving anyone trouble? Because all that Black Siren needed to do was just, like, you know, mosey on up to him pretend she was gonna give him a kiss and then you know whisper his head off right oh my god there were so many opportunities people could have gotten rid of him (laughs) oh and there were two opportunities when oliver could have just straight up shot him with an arrow and for no reason just doesn't like what what are you doing i mean they didn't even comment on it or explain why oliver didn't just shoot the guy like there's the time he's right outside the building and the cops are coming but i'm like the cops aren't here yet just shoot him Right, right, you've you've escaped from narrower versions of the cops getting there. Like right. you've done that. <laughs> you have all right. the time. And they even the have room. a dialogue back and forth for a few <laughs> seconds and it's like, you know, you're not running yet, Oliver, so why don't you just shoot him and then run? 
<laughs> I don't. I don't know. I thought Diaz of all the part. If it had been Black Siren, if it had been Anatoly, you know, if it had been anyone else that was pulling the strings, I would have been like, okay, this is interesting. But Diaz was just—he was just a thug. <laughs> And yet things just kept going his way. And I was just like, I don't care. So I'm just curious now <laughs> that I've loaded this. Um, what did you guys think about Diaz? I loved it. And and I'll tell you specifically why. It's because of the actor and uh, Kirk Acevedo. This, I, this is, he's one of those ones I refer to as like a Vancouverian, you know, Vancouverite. He, he, I, he's in like every genre show, maybe just in an episode here or there. He was in Fringe. He's done. Uh, oh, he was in twenty, uh, uh, thirteen monkeys, or is that what it's called? Thirteen monkeys? monkeys. Yeah, twelve monkeys. Ah, I was close. <laughs> you know, <laughs> off by one. One monkey short of a series. Yeah, yeah. But he was. Uh, he's he's been in all the genre shows. It, just a guest spot here or there. And so I thought, oh look, it's it's that guy. He's playing the drug dealer. That makes total sense. He shows up for an episode or two, and then he's never seen again. And so when it was revealed to be him, it completely got me. Because, yeah, he is the low-level drug dealer, and because he was that actor. And it, feel, it felt almost like a decade worth of watching genre paid off just for this <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, James, what about you? Um, yeah. <laughs> I... I Oh, it was just it. It was excruciating for me because I mean I've seen the actor in other things, and and much as to his credit, as Ryan said, like he's he's been like you know this wonderful side actor of a lot of different shows that I've enjoyed the way he acts. I've enjoyed the way he does characters, but I just I don't I don't blame him. I blame I I blame the writing crew because I just I'm with you. It's like. This guy's nothing. He's a rageaholic who's out of control when things don't go his way. He's literally the epitome of his own weaknesses. And how is it that nobody's bringing him down yet? Like, literally anybody could. He doesn't have superpowers. It's not like he's got what the 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 bad the, the drug-dealing bad guy in Black Lightning's got. Like, he doesn't have anything special like that. He's literally just some dude. And it's not like he has deep connections with, like, any other weird associations that really stand in the way. And so, yeah, it was just, I, I don't know. I was like, why? Why is this guy still here? I really expected he was going to be gone by mid-season. Yeah, well, and the fact that he survived into next season, I just boggled my <laughs> mind. Because when you had you had Adrian Chase and, you know, Prometheus as the as the big bad last season, it feels like a real come down to just some random thug. But here's the thing. You know, you talked about how, how does nobody end him. The whole scene where he, like, storms the Quadrant's headquarters, just him and Black Siren, and I'm like, okay, first of all, metahumans <laughs> have been a thing now for, like, four years. How is it that something as powerful as the Quadrant doesn't have metahumans on the payroll? Because they've all been roaming away from Star City, as the Flash has said multiple times now. You know, they've found multiple metahumans who have been away from the city for a while, also, or sent, yeah, away from Central City. You know, so, so there's no problem, I would think, with an organization as powerful as them getting some metas. And second of all, when you just shoot at one of the members and then like, oh, I'm assuming your territory, that's not how crime works! <laughs> when you kill, like, a powerful member of the mob, guess what? All the lieutenants of that person squabble over the territory, so you might get a little bit of that. But it's not like, well, I just killed them and just assume their, <laughs> their power becomes mine, you know? I, uh, I take his ring, <laughs> and highlight. now I'm... Right! Because <laughs> then he keeps killing them, and it's just like, oh, well, I've absorbed that part of the quadrant too and it's like that, 
frog quickening. And, you know, <laughs> right. right? Like, like, how did none of them, after the <gasps> after he just shot the one guy, how did not a single one of these, like, leaders go, okay, we're not ever in a room alone with him <laughs> and we at least have, like, a small platoon of men with us at all times. Right, and pay for some sort of either metahuman protection or a dampener or something to take care of Black Siren. Done. Right. <laughs> Right. Anyway, Ashley, I'm sorry we took a while to get back to you, but what did you, what did you think about Diaz? I'm actually going to swing back the other way, and I kind of like Diaz as well. And it was probably because of the actor. I thought it was an interesting actor, an interesting performance. I kind of liked his aesthetic, but I can totally see what you guys are saying too about doing more to make him seem like really powerful, like why he is here, why he is controlling things. Just because, again, it's really Adrian Chase is a really hard act to follow. So I can totally see how maybe there were some things they could do to kind of build him up more and maybe coming on since he's going to survive to the second season, which was a big surprise. I wasn't expecting that. Maybe get to see him do kind of more with that character as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was the that was the thing, because it, somebody with as low impulse control as he has, I don't believe can get as powerful as he did, because that's no. something that's fundamentally necessary to 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 becoming powerful is being able to defer your own, you know, uh, you know, wants to to be able to plan <laughs> ahead, you know, and, and get go for the greater goal later. Okay, I'm going to push back on here, and I, because <laughs> I think Oliver Queen is the perfect example to prove you're wrong on all that. <laughs> no impulse control, and in five years became so powerful okay, but, that he could beat the Flash. <laughs> okay, alright, alright, alright. Oliver has Diggle as his Jiminy Cricket sitting on his shoulder that gives him that control that he doesn't have himself. And that's why without Diggle, Oliver is nothing. I, I agree with that, but that's not the point. Okay. I mean, Oliver is, you know, pure impulse. And and it's the same thing with uh, Adrian Chase. Uh, in, in the span of, you know, five years, he went from a nothing to an all-powerful. I mean, you're talking about, oh, yeah, he... But Adrian Chase, I mean, yeah, he, he had a goal. He was focused, and he was able to defer. Like, yeah. he didn't try to kill Oliver as soon as he saw him. You know, he was able to have... He had supreme impulse control. And so, I mean, so to an extent, does Diaz. I mean, I mean he's... He, yeah, he's he's a simmering pot all the time, but he managed to break up Team Arrow, and he's come closer to destroying Oliver than he got him arrested. He got him to out himself as Green Arrow. He got him impeached. Diaz has come closer than anyone else to actually destroying Oliver. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I might very well be that. Yeah, he's he, he channels that anger that he's sure. It seems like he is. He's a, he's a storm. He's a hurricane, but he it manages to work for him. No, the writers did make sure it worked for him. <laughs> oh, so that same you know you're you're talking about the fact that yeah whatever i mean don't don't think about that too much or you realize the fact that everyone else except oliver can't aim worth beans you know right. <laughs> yeah uh, what was it the one episode where diggle is coming down in a parachute shooting with a machine gun you know not even looking and knocking everyone out but a hundred guys on the ground none of them can hit him as he floats down right. to the ground <laughs> Hey, if Chuck Norris or Rambo can do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the the, the sort of subplots of the season. And going way back, uh, the first one I want to talk about is, of course, the Slade subplot. 
which was one that I really, really enjoyed. But I'm not going to, I won't talk about it too much. Uh, I'll start off with one of you guys. So, um, Ashley, what did you think of the Slade subplot? Slade is one of my favorite characters on Arrow. So just like anytime he wants to come back is cool with me. Mm -hmm. I really liked seeing that, kind of seeing him deal with his past. It felt like he kind of came and went too quickly. I don't know if that was always the plan. I heard something about maybe DC wanting them to wrap it up on the show because he might appear in a movie. I, I could just be making that up. But it felt like he was gone almost a little too soon because he is such an interesting character. And he's so his relationship with Oliver is kind of like Oliver's relationship with Anatoly, the whole kind of frenemy thing. So I hope that we haven't seen the last of Slade because I think he's always interesting when he comes on the show. And I like to see the contrast between him and Oliver. James, what about you? I agree with Ashley in a lot of ways. I, I love Slade Wilson. I love Manu Bennett playing Slade Wilson. I've liked Manu Bennett since I saw him back in Spartacus. I just, I think as an actor, he has a broad range and a huge caliber, mm-hmm. especially in the TV universe. I don't know if he'll ever pursue film as far as more on the, the bigger public spectrum, but. Uh, you know, he was in the Hobbit movies, right? Well, yeah, but I mean. <laughs> I realized he was under makeup, but that's a pretty big <laughs> yeah, movie series. I mean, I knew that, but, that, okay. like, but that's the thing is like only nerds like us were like, oh my God, that's Manu Bennett. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the world was just like, I don't, that's a big white thing that's right. computer generated. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, but no, I think he's fantastic in the role. And I mean, there's always, there, there's been these little rumors that pop up where they're like, what if we did like a little like mini splinter series of like just Deathstroke? And I'm like, yeah, do that. Please just, just That'd be do awesome. all of that. You know what? Just, yeah. just make a whole show of Deathstroke. And then we can slowly forget about whatever it is you're trying to do with Arrow. <laughs> and then you can bring it back in a big way, and it'll be great. Uh, give us the room, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Ryan, what about you? Anyone who says that there's too much Slade is wrong and needs to leave this planet right now. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree with Ashley and pretty much everyone here that season two, Slade... That was just epic. The, the show has, that was the high that the show has been chasing ever since. And I think his redemption, his redemptive arc is probably one of the best I've seen on TV of turning a villain. Because, because they, maybe because they did it right, because they showed how he went from ally to villain and back to ally again. And maybe it's credit to the actor, but it's just, it works for me. And I think it works for just about everyone. And they would be crazy to turn down any opportunity to have him. I don't think he needs to be Team Arrow, but if they, yeah, if they want to do a mini Slade arc every season, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, I really like that they showed what happened after Slade got off the island up until he found out that Oliver was still alive and showed him, like, trying so hard to keep the Mirakuru under control. And then, like, once he saw that news thing about Oliver, like, he just couldn't anymore. And, (laughs) of course, it never hurts that they brought back Shadow, even as a hallucination, so... Really like Shadow. I wish they'd bring her twin back, even though that was a horrible soap <laughs> opera idea. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Oliver never went to Hong Kong. It's so soap opery that she had a twin sister, but I'm like, hey, it's a way of getting that actress back, so just do it. 
but yeah, I love that whole thing, and I love the whole thing about his son and how, because of the way that he had been and the way he'd lived his life, how it had corrupted his relationship with his son and his, what his son's belief of what, like, a man is. And, you know, Slade having to come to grips with that, that he made his son into a monster. And that was really good. I mean, that was really good storytelling. It was a really good character arc for Slade to go through. And I loved the, like you said, the whole redemption idea of Slade and now having to try to redeem his son being part of the, the, the you know, the issues that he was going through there. So, yeah, I, and, and yeah, bring back Slade as often as possible, guys. Yeah, I, I, would, I think making him a regular would be a mistake only because I think that, I, I think if they oversaturated him, yeah. then he would fall victim to bad writing eventually. But if they only use him for a few episodes a season, I think that they can always have their A game on for you Slade. Know, I would love for him to show up on Legends. Yeah. That would not be bad. No. You li- you listening, CW? You listening, Warner Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> hey, if they wanted to pop up on an episode or two of Flash, I don't care. I mean, you know, <laughs> he is a mercenary. I mean, yeah, he's a he is a mercenary type character that could show up for a multitude of reasons. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we had the Slade thing, and uh, the the difficulty with talking about the big crossover is because it spanned all four shows, but I want to talk about the crossover specifically on this episode with respect to how it affected Arrow, and that is, of course, Allicity. Now, I've gone on the record before... I've gone on the record before of my hatred of Olicity as a thing, and uh, it wasn't doing any favors that Felicity was so nasty to Oliver through most of the crossover about, I don't want to get married, and I love you, but I'm never going to get married kind of stuff, and it's just like, but why? I, I don't know, the script just says it, you know? <laughs> Which was pretty much how they played it through most of it until she finally, you know, talks to him, like, almost the at the end. And then we finally, we, they finally have them tie the knot. So, you know, I was hoping with the whole breakup that we just weren't going to, to do this, but, but they did it. So, uh, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, we haven't heard your thoughts on Elicity, so why don't you tell us what you think? I do have to confess that in the beginning, like at the very beginning of the show, I kind of rooted for Oliver and Felicity to be together in season three and four. I kind of repented of that because <laughs> I thought that like her character just kind of changed and she kind of became this kind of unlikable, not always really nice person. Like Oliver has made mistakes, but she was kind of like really not understanding and kind of mean to him sometimes. So I thought they kind of sabotaged her character. And, but then I think that actually now that she and Oliver are married, she's actually kind of being nice to him again. I think their relationship is actually in a healthier place. So I kind of like that they have taken away that kind of antagonistic piece of the relationship but i think the journey to get there was not very smooth and that some mistakes were made but that's probably another conversation for another time yeah uh james what about you yeah i mean i always liked the idea in the first like couple of seasons because it i was with everybody else oh it's kind of cute and she's nerdy and he's some buff guy and that's impossible um (laughs) you know like that the salmon ladder is what's impossible (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) i'm doing it as we do this (laughs) yeah people claim to me that that can be done without tv trickery but i think that every time we see oliver doing that that's some sort of tv trickery That or how many takes it took for him to get, like, the two they needed for the shot. 
But yeah, I just, I don't know. So it was kind of cute, but yeah, I just, I got so burned out on it. And honestly, by the point that they were like, so they're kind of like, they're broke up now. And I was just like, good, great. Are we going to follow the comics now? And are him and Dinah going to become a thing? Because that was kind of a thing in the comics. And then they were like, no, we're just going back to Felicity. And I was like, cool. So we're just kicking a dead horse. Fantastic. So I don't know. I do I do like the changes, as said, that uh, Felicity's gone through because her character went from, again, that very sweet kind of innocent nerdy girl who was notably, like, nervous about anything to becoming, like, this very significant chunk of the team in her own right, which was great. But now it's like she's also playing mom to everybody and telling them that they're all bad. And it just got <laughs> naggy. And I was just like, man, I'm just kind of tired of her character right now. So I do. Yeah, I, I like the fact that in this season, like, she's kind of taken on that motherly role, you know, helping with William and things like that. And it just happens so seamlessly. But simultaneously, it's something that I think is working well for the development of the character, getting her back to being something closer to the beginning, not 100% there, which I don't necessarily need. I still want to mature Felicity, and I think that's what this has done for her character. Well, I have to say, one of the good things about bringing Curtis in is that that by itself matured Felicity, because Curtis got a lot of the old Felicity lines, a lot of the goofy, you know, like nerdy it's like true. stuff like went to Curtis, and Felicity was able to mature as a character because of that, because there was another character to do that. But yeah, Felicity, I mean, here's another one of my... <laughs> With Felicity, it's like, okay, so she was engaged to a guy in season five, remember that? <laughs> and it's like, the right. second he dies, it's like, we have, like, one episode of her mourning, and then it's like, oh, well, let's forget that he ever existed, and oh, Oliver, he's hot again. And it just <laughs> makes it seem like she was only ever engaged to that guy to make Oliver upset. Because <laughs> it was it seems to have left no lasting impact on her life at all. But anyway, I was thinking about that when they got married. I'm like, really? No, like, mention of the fact that you were engaged? Uh, okay. So, <laughs> Ryan... They didn't, they didn't ask for the room. There was no need Ryan, to talk about a, <laughs> Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure after she blurted out that, you know, that she doesn't want to get married, that there was at least some point when Oliver asked for the room. <laughs> Clearly, Nathan, you don't understand Canadian rules. But <laughs> I mean, you when your when your fiance is accidentally killed by your former lover, you have to marry him. That's right. just how it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that explains the whole thing with Diaz too. That basically in Canada, if you kill someone, you assume all of the aspects of their life that you want. <laughs> okay, yeah. I gotcha. Uh, it's, 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 it's it's an interesting culture. You know? Right. <laughs> Jeez. But uh, uh, I, you know, I, I remember. I think uh, I think you were on that same panel with me uh, at DragonCon, Nathan, yeah. when I said how much I hated Elicity, and the room just kind of died. Right. Yeah. I, the the death looks I was getting from the crowd. You know? Yeah. People seem to like it. I don't understand it, but people seem to like it. Uh, it, it maybe it is the fact that oh, look, the the nerd girl is getting making good and sure okay that's fine but i to i hadn't really thought about it until i was listening to you know james and ashley but yeah felicity has matured a lot come into her own and i i like that i mean i love i've loved the character of felicity just not with oliver i loved how awkward she was and always put her foot in her mouth i hated uh, but it seems almost like to, to kind of continue with what you were saying though nathan it seems almost like the marriage is just a convenience to get william and 
stepmom. Mm-hmm. I mean, between her and Ritha, Oliver doesn't have to be there right. anymore. <laughs> so it's yeah. Well, I think his timing of proposing was, you know, might be that Oliver's thinking that way too. Like, hey, William kind of needs a mom. <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. Uh, yeah, and I'll I'll tell you um, to go back in a sense to Crisis and the whole expanded universe. Again, we're dealing with a show where it's plausible that apparently that all an alternative alternative Oliver can be the Fuhrer. Right. So anything's possible. But that being said, I always have I've been thinking for a while that uh, they need that Felicity and Oliver need to break up, and Felicity needs to move to Central City and join Team Arrow and Team Flash. Central- you mean? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Team Flash. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, and send you know uh, Ramon to Legends or something like that. I don't know, but just keep the character, but get rid of her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean Curtis can do everything that Felicity yes. does, so I mean they already basically have another Felicity built into Arrow. But yeah, okay. Everything, everything that's good about Felicity that we all like has been separate from Oliver. Right. Even when she joins Helix, and we know she's wrong, we still kind of like the fact that she's just pushing his buttons. Mm. So, so moving on from that, we get the huge breakup of Team Arrow that actually goes throughout the season because there's the original fracture with uh, Renee, Curtis, and Dinah. And then it continues to just unravel as the show goes on. And I think this is just from talking with other people. This is the part that a lot of people found hard to watch. And it's why some people uh, just gave up on watching Arrow this season. So I'm really curious to hear what you guys think about that. So, um, Ryan, why don't we start with you on that one? Loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Give me more. I, I mean, you know, Civil War light. Right. It was great. Basically, here's my thing about Era at this point in time. Uh, I still watch the show. I, I, th- I think it's got a lot of problems. But And, and, and it's come to the point where I realized, uh, I was talking to my wife about this as we were watching towards the end of the season, which, if I'm being honest, I didn't finish until two days ago. And she said, I don't care about Oliver anymore. It was during his trial episode. And we're like, yeah, I don't care either. I'm in it for everyone else. I love all the supporting characters, and I love the fact that Oliver abused them. And maybe he was right, but he still went about it the wrong way. And he betrayed their trust, and there were real and lasting consequences to that. It wasn't just fixed in an episode or two, and everyone's all you know gung-ho and, and kumbaya. This was something that mattered, and they played it up. Yeah, I, I I have to say with with the whole breakup thing though that there were many times though when people just ended up picking a side and it didn't matter what made more sense they just ended up going with the side. No, I I thought it all seemed logic. It all flowed. It all seemed mostly consistent with their internal you know characters and and logic. No, process. it's probably that's probably a fair thing to say. I still think though that everyone getting mad at Oliver for following the nuke instead of going to help vigilante was ridiculous because i'm like priorities here people the nuke is clearly the more important issue (laughs) yes yes but oliver they but the reason they were mad at him is because it's so damn hypocritical it's like they point out had it been felicity or something like this oliver would have been the first one to say screw it let's go save my girl you know (laughs) maybe so yeah no (laughs) impulse impulse <laughs> All right, so James, what did you think of the of the long breakup? I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, 
so many of my issues with the whole season overall is I felt like they were trying to split things in so many overall directions. And this was like one more thing to add to it. And admittedly, like, I think in this season, the overarching theme isn't so much, uh, you know, the villainry uh, that is happening. It's more that the villain, uh, to some degree, is really just Oliver as himself. Uh, he's self-sabotaging. He yeah. destroys every relationship he ever has. And this is just like the continuation of that. But let's go bigger. Let's have him literally push away everybody left in his life that cares about him. And we'll see if he actually learns a lesson out of it. Because he hasn't so far. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. So it was, I thought it was a good thing in the way that they did like their reasoning. Like I understood that and I got it. There were definitely moments though. Like I found Dinah just like, I understood her grief, but everything else just seemed overly dramatic to me where it was just like, I, I get it. You're upset. You want to kill the guys who, you know, killed the guy that you were trying to put down in arrest. Not all that long ago. Uh, but suddenly it's like, no, but he's he's still good. He's okay. And it's just like, he's kind of murdered some people. I mean, Oliver's murdered probably more. But that's not the point. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't think about it. <laughs> right? It was just like, I, I don't know. I And I get where everything wrapped for that plot line by the end. It still didn't leave us in any really great place for that. So I don't know. Like, it was, to me, it felt a little distracting with everything else and it was it felt like the one the one thing they were trying to write to be exciting because the villainy part of this season didn't feel that exciting itself and it felt like they kind of knew it wasn't it wasn't really over the top because it was yet again the same thing as it's been season after season bad guy enters Bad guy says, I'm taking over your city. Good guys fight bad guy. Take back city. <laughs> like, that's been the formula. I, I, oh, you brought up something else, though, that I, I needed to mention. Because, you know, one of the other things we talked about in the season five episode was Vigilante's identity. And I had to say that that was one of the most disappointing reveals to me. Because the showrunners had said, Vigilante is someone you know. It's someone you've seen before. And I'm thinking, oh my god, is it Roy? Who is it? And it's like, can't be Roy, because Roy knows that Oliver is the Green Arrow. And who else can it be? And so I had all these ideas of who Vigilante could possibly be. And then to find out it's Dinah's boyfriend who we did see technically yes in an earlier episode for like five seconds but <laughs> you know that isn't a big reveal that should be like shocking to our core that was like oh okay so he's connected to one of these tertiary characters you know yeah. and, and so I to me that the, it all happened like oh my god right. my mind's exploding <laughs> Yeah, so Vigilante, the Vigilante reveal was another thing that I felt like kind of fell flat. Even though I felt like because he was connected with Caden James and the rest of that group, it became interesting plot-wise, but I, I didn't really care when they revealed it. <laughs> but Ashley, what about you? What did you think of the of the long breakup? Yeah, I kind of felt in the middle a little bit. Like, I thought it was really good what was mentioned about there being consequences for some of Oliver's actions and choices and that, that it took a long time for that rift to heal. And I don't even know that we've fully seen that rift between the teams heal. I thought there were some interesting opportunities for some of the characters to learn how to work together kind of without Oliver and kind of grow as people. But I think that overall the season wasn't really as focused as it could have been. Like there's a lot of subplots. There's a 
lot of ideas. There's a lot of themes going on. And I think it just doesn't feel as focused or as cohesive as, you know, season five that we've talked about or season two, some of the best seasons of this show. So I think there was a lot going on, but it could have been brought around to kind of a more compact, more focused package. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is I I totally get what happened with you know with with the original split you know i understand why renee agreed to turn evidence on oliver and i agree why uh, or i understand why you know the the once they found out they were being spied on they weren't happy about it the the issue that i had was the diggle break because the diggle break felt so it felt so out of left field because never once had john like raised the objections he raised to oliver at that point it wasn't like he had been questioning Oliver's decisions for a while and being like hey man you know you need to try this differently or do like when the all you know it, it it bothered me on that level and then on the level that John was also the one this season who was working with a drug dealer you know behind everybody's <laughs> back I'm like you've lost the moral high ground you know well, oh, yeah and of course it degenerated into Oliver being like at least I didn't kill my own brother and crap like yeah. that where it was <laughs> just like you can't walk that one back you know yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Uh, Oliver's got to win. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? The Diggle one felt just because the writers wanted to force Oliver into being solo again, that that one I had a problem with. And it, I, it was very uncomfortable watching that episode because I love Diggle, and I think that Oliver is only successful because of Diggle. I feel like he's such an essential mem- you know, element to to team arrow um that that it was it was it was i don't know i, I just didn't see that happening between the but two that's of them. that's yeah. exactly why it made sense because because oliver's success is so much on diggle's shoulders and oliver's been taking frankly advantage of him for five years and so it's not enough to say hey when i retire you can have the jersey but to say hey give me the jersey back and i'm gonna retire again but not really you know i mean he he treated he infantile he yeah he treated diggle like a child well but at the same time though even diggle said the whole thing with the arrow identity wasn't the issue you know, because even I like I, you know, because Diggle was like, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not about the costume, it's not about being Arrow. It's not, but it is, you know. <laughs> I mean, and then he started saying like, you know, it's about you driving the rest of the team away and everything else, and I'm like, you were right there, Diggle. You didn't do anything about, you know. <laughs> it was like when Oliver said, hey, we need to watch these guys and see who's, you know, doing this. You, you didn't have a problem with that. So anyway, I, I just had an issue, you know, with, with, with that one. But oh well. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. it'll propel John to more interesting places next season. Well, and I mean, the the fact of the matter with him wanting, I think, wanting to, like, take over the hood and, like, I want to be the Green Lantern. I mean, we, <laughs> we did make the notion. <laughs> I think you had a Freudian slip there. The green Arrow, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm in that world. But the fact that he was just, like, really adamant about it, and then he starts doing hypocritical things, just showed his dedication to really wanting to take the role from all of them. Like, he, he just wanted to imitate him so much. <laughs> Oh, poor Oliver. I actually do like Oliver quite a bit. He's just not very emotionally mature. (laughs) Like, every time there's an episode of Supergirl where she just ends up being, like, obstinate for no reason and wants to control what everybody's doing, I'm like, and the part of Supergirl is played by Oliver Queen today. (laughs) Oliver is the guy who's, like, your best friend that you love socially hanging out with, but you don't ask him to watch your pets 
why you're out of town. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll right. come home to them dead. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Oliver's problem is that he wants to control everybody. That's always been Oliver's problem, is that everyone has to do things his way. You know, it was the probably was the reason he and Laurel butted heads when she started trying to be a superhero. You know, is that he yeah. felt like, you know, hey, you know, you're someone in my life and therefore I can tell you what you can and can't do. And, and the same with Felicity this season. She mm-hmm. goes running into a building and he loses it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. It's like Oliver hasn't really developed in the ways that matter <laughs> over these seven years. He's gotten, I don't know, smarter about some things, but it still feels like he has a lot of the same core issues. And it's why maybe with him going to jail and maybe with Diggle taking over, which is what I'm guessing is going to happen, maybe the show can go in a, in a different direction next season, but I don't know. We'll see about that. I mean, until he pulls a flash and, you know, he's just back. Well, sure, no, I know. It'll, it'll take it'll take like an episode or two, I'm sure. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that when we talk about season seven know. ideas. I mean, this but... show plays a long game, but yeah, we'll save that for the end. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, though, was when Willa Holland decided that she wanted to be on a couple episodes and, and wake up. Uh, we had an arc about uh you know the the uh league of assassins which I, last i remember was disbanded but apparently they're back again they're called the thanatos guild right yes the thanatos guild yes <laughs> you know uh after uh thea and roy returned which i thought was a welcome addition back to the show and nissa and Nissa. Uh, yeah, and oh Nissa. yes. Oh yes, Nissa, yes. Nissa, yeah. Although I did have a problem with one aspect of the of Nissa, but he wasn't gonna let you forget. No <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, just out of curiosity, <laughs> between Nissa and Talia, which one do you prefer? Nissa. Okay. Because I think last season you were talking about how much you like Talia, too, so I just wanted to... I, I do like Talia, and also, that's an, and again, it's another Vancouverite, that actress. I, um, she's Michael Shank's wife. I, I can't think of her name at the moment, um, but she's been in everything, too, so... Okay. But yeah, Manu Bennett come from Spartacus, so it has uh, Katrina Law, and uh, yeah, no, just... I, I just love the... I loved how she kept egging... Oliver and Felicity, you know, hello, husband, hello, sister, wife. I mean, you know, she. <laughs> well, she's but my problem with see, see, I always thought it was like cute how she continued the whole thing of them being married, even though it was a sham marriage at best. But her just saying at the end that it was a joke, it was kind of like uh, I kind of like the idea that she really did take it seriously because she it was just part of her honor was that we're married, and so now I just have to deal with it. And so her just basically being like, eh, it's just a joke, I was just egging you on, was kind of eh to me, but... I think that might be the case, like, where her honor... If hmm, if she saw Oliver... If, if Oliver was her type, <laughs> and romantically, right. then maybe, yeah, but no, I mean, she was never, even if honor dictated it, she was never going to pursue any sort of real relationship with him. Right, but I mean, that doesn't... But the, I mean, most of Western civilization history has been about people who have been technically married, but don't... <laughs> They don't necessarily have romantic entanglements, you know? So, 
I mean, you know, it can be very much in the idea of we're both, you know, you know, powerful people and, you know, we're, we're married on paper and I'll respect that, you know, uh, yeah. but, uh, we're not, well, <laughs> I mean, well, maybe with the league of the assassins, I mean, who's, where's that documentation? Well, that's, that's true. Life? No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, just, no, I know that she had no interest in him romantically. I was talking about more in the sense of her feeling that it was honorable for, I mean, I have no problem with her like being like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm getting a divorce with you and stuff like that you know because you want to be with this person but uh you know but just the fact that she was just joking around with it i felt like eh, that's not the impression i got in previous seasons but whatever it kind of felt like it kind of if it was a joke all along then the divorce or um it, it just felt unnecessary you know right so uh but yeah so what did you uh so ryan you obviously have feelings <laughs> about this matter <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the subplot with the Thanatos Guild and, and bringing back Roy and uh, Nyssa? Yeah, Roy. Yay, nice. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, as far as Nyssa goes, I, I like the idea of they're finally acknowledging that there are these other Lazarus pits out there and they've got to be you know, found and destroyed. And it, it just no, felt like... they don't need expanding. to be destroyed. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> no. No, I'm just saying they don't need to be destroyed. Uh, well, <laughs> they and, think and it they needs to be destroyed, be, but know, yeah, they're, they're they're filling out the greater universe. They're setting right. up any other number of possible stories. I like the idea that there's more to this universe than just Central City and Star City. No, I completely agree. I'm still hoping that they reveal that there's all kinds of other metahumans out there from some way other than the particle accelerator. Well, they did. Well, uh, a, a couple uh, of times. Did, a yeah, couple of times. Right. Yeah. It, in individual instances, there have been cases, but there's never been like a big deal of, yeah, there's actually metahumans all over the place from incidents other than the particle accelerator. So I, I want it to be a lot more open ended and easy for that to happen because having to trace everyone back to Star City or not, <laughs> Central City is, is <laughs> you know, always like kind of, eh, I don't know. It's unnecessary. But anyway, <laughs> Ashley, what did you think about the Fanatars Guild story? Oh, well, I feel kind of embarrassed. I'd actually forgotten that it was a part of this season until you mentioned it, because I think that's another example of kind of like too much maybe going on. It wasn't as focused, but I do really like Roy. It was cool to see him again. I was kind of hoping he would be back for a little bit longer than that. But like kind of like Slade, I, I will never complain if he wants to come back for a couple episodes. Do you want me to let you in on a secret? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Roy is coming back next season as a regular. Oh, woohoo! All right, well, I'm glad to hear that. So, <laughs> my wish came true. But yeah, and with Thea, maybe that actress, maybe or maybe not wanting to come back is a little bit awkward. But yeah, I thought it was cool to see him again. It was just kind of one of more of those things. Like, there's a lot of subplots going on, and they don't necessarily all fully connect. So, hopefully, next season they'll be able to work him a little bit more seamlessly into the show and do a little bit more with the character. Yeah, I mean, it's been no, I mean, it's no surprise knowing that Thea has been diminishing uh, in her presence on the show since last season that um, Willa Holland, I read an interview uh, with the creators where they said Willa Holland elected not to renew her contract. So they said they'll put her in episodes next season if she wants to, but okay. basically she is not under any obligation to be in the show. And so, yeah, I mean, it is it is kind of awkward in that sense because, you know, they're going to have to come up with a reason for why Roy is back without Thea, but whatever. I, I wish they had just killed her off, but for whatever reason, the creators really like Willa Holland a lot and want because to give her an it's opening. it's too far. We've been no, over that. No, it's not too <laughs> far. 
In the comics, Oliver has no family left, so they can do the same thing in the show. It's fine. (laughs) Then it just gets, yeah, reductive at that point. Oh, look, someone else died. All right, Uh, Ryan, have you been watching this show? They kill off a major character every season anyway, and just because she's family, why does it matter if anyone else that's close to him dies? You know, I mean, it's it's still a problem. It's still something he has to deal with and grieve about, so... <laughs> if, he, if he grieved, he just internalizes. <laughs> right. That's true. Um, so, James, what did you think of the Thanatos Guild? Uh, I don't know. Ah! Um, <laughs> did you get excited, at least, when they said there's more than one Lazarus pit? Uh, yeah, like, there was that, because in the back of my own mind, I was just like, we'll probably see Malcolm Merlin again. Right. <laughs> that's that's what I'm thinking. Nissa was in this episode. <laughs> I mean, I did, I did, I think. But no. <laughs> I mean, it's always nice to see her come back. Because um, again, yeah, I mean, I watched her through Spartacus, and I do really like the actress. So it's always fun to see Nissa because it's always it's never good news when Nissa shows up. <laughs> she never just shows up and she's like, I thought I'd just pop in and say hello. <laughs> like, no, it's always just like there's some new thing that is putting your city in danger. <laughs> right. and to dig you out of it <laughs> husband <laughs> husband so, so yeah it was just like it, uh i mean i'm excited to see like have roy back on the show i really liked roy on the show um but at the point that i started seeing rory doing um these weird like free-to-play phone game commercials uh, i was really concerned for him <laughs> i was just like why did you leave arrow <laughs> right yeah i think he needs money Right, because right. he, he no, left so. Arrow to go on his uh, to focus on his modeling career, but I guess maybe that money is drying up. So, <laughs> right. um, so I was just like, so it's good to see him come back. But I mean, overall, like I don't know, it the plot just felt outside of being like, hey, there's more Lazarus pits. It just I don't know. It didn't have a lot of levity for me, uh, other than being just a reason and an excuse to give one character an out uh, without killing her off and to bring another character back. Like, that's the only purpose it ultimately served. And then it was just like this side story that was like, oh, okay, cool. So they're going to go do that. And we're just going to still keep being ransomed for millions of dollars every day. Cool. Cool. Thanks, guys. I think that episode was them trying to lay the seeds for season seven instead of doing it right at the end of season six. I think that's, that's what that is. Um, I, I think that they were, you know, because, uh, you know, usually what happens in these Berlanti shows is that they decide suddenly, like, two episodes before the end of the season, oh, yeah, we're going to have another season, so we better, like, put in some threads for that. And with this one, I think they're they're backing up a little more and, and laying that groundwork. So we'll see. But I think that the whole Lazarus Pit thing may be a bigger issue in the next season, and they just wanted to set it up. Uh, I, I hope so. I really do. And then we have the trial of Oliver Queen, which kind of dominated, you know, the whole lead up to it. And then the actual trial itself kind of dominated the whole season. So what did you guys think about first Oliver being on trial and the back and forth of, of you know, the, the him being outed and then maybe not outed. And <laughs> then Tommy Merlin shows up, maybe, but not really. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to say one thing because it's such a peeve for me. When I saw the previews of Tommy... I was like, oh my god, they're finally doing it. That they're going to reveal that he was dunked in the Lazarus pit and, and you know, something's going on, you know, where, you know, he's not going to be quite right because that's why Malcolm kept warning them about dunking Thea was that, you know, he had seen it already happen with his son. Now, of course, they chose not to go that route and we have the human target again. 
my only issue with that episode is that they shouldn't have shown Diggle rescuing a guy at the beginning of the episode and then do the Tommy Merlin thing. Because as soon as I saw Diggle rescuing the guy, I was like, oh crap, it's not really going to be Tommy. Because, you know, they'd already shown Tommy in the commercials and the previews. It's like, it's going to be the human target. And guess who it was? It was the human target. And that pissed me off so much. <laughs> Because I'm like, if they just hadn't shown the Diggle, like, rescuing somebody and just had it as a reveal, it would have been shocking. But instead, I was just like, okay, I know how this episode's gonna go now. But, <laughs> So, James, what did you think of the whole, you know, the, the whole lead-up to the trial and the trial itself? Uh, um, <laughs> I know, it's pretty much been the start of all my responses. Right, yes. it's, so, I mean, my issue with the trial is, like, it was big news towards the beginning, like, mm -hmm. in the beginning of the season, and it was just like, oh... Like Oliver Queen, and then it—I don't know—it felt like it, like happily got, like it—it it was a big, big deal. People were in his face. He was dealing with the FBI director, and she was just very like, "I'm bring you down," and going after everybody. And it was this—it was intense in in what it was and how it was always something preventing him from being the arrow. And then suddenly, who cares? <laughs> like that was my issue, where like suddenly, like that plot point that was such a big, big deal dropped off. Oliver's still going out as the hood, even though they're looking for the green arrow, apparently, all the time. And they're looking for evidence to connect him with the green arrow, so anytime he's gone, <laughs> you know, it's uh, suspicious. Yeah, oh, the green I arrow showed up as soon as Oliver ran out of that meeting, you know? <laughs> like, like, just shy, like, I've got a shirt that I wear that says, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm Batman. I'm just saying you never see me and Batman in the same room. <laughs> Oliver Queen might as well wear that shirt, like except replace Batman with green hair. The one, the one cute thing I felt that they did though, was to have Oliver like, say like maybe Bruce Wayne is the arrow. <laughs> I was like, right. That's cute. Right. <laughs> Nobody ever sees Bruce Wayne in the arrow in the same place. <laughs> It's true. It's true. But yeah, it was just, I don't know. Like, I felt like they had, they had set it up for something really, really cool. Um, and then it dropped off and then we get like right towards the end of the season. And then it's just like, oh yeah, you remember when he was under indictment? <laughs> yeah. We're actually going to do a jury trial now. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It went from like, you know, zero to 100, then back to zero and then back to 100 again, pretty quickly. Ryan, what about you? Well, I kind of think that that just showed how powerful Diaz was when he said, oh, I'm thinking of moving up your trial, you know, and then bam, Oliver's in court. That that made you realize just everywhere this guy had, had reach and nothing in the city was beyond his control. Yep. I, I think, yeah, they built it up in the beginning and then they dropped it off, but – there are two things about that. One is I think it served well, again, just to show how DS controlled everything. But also, I think I think this is a fundamental problem of this entire show. And, and we've hit on this before with this with Civil War and everything else. The seasons are too long for Arrow. They, they, this show just needs to be you know, 12 episodes uh, long, tops. It, it, the, the feel of it, you know, it goes for that kind of crime, dark, Batman-esque, you know, almost, almost like a, one of the Marvel Netflix shows. And I just feel like its format would be better suited to a shorter season so that you could do that build-up to that trial. And every episode builds up a little bit more. And you just by the time you get to it, you realize, oh my gosh, I'm watching a genre show, but I'm riveted on the edge of my seat to a legal drama. And they, they lost that thread. 
I don't know. I, every time people say that it needs to be 12 episodes, I look back at season two and say, that was fine at 22 or 23. Um, you know, that, that, I think and it's a you false have three, four, five. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. I feel like it's a, fa- I mean, it's fair to call out the writing. I think that they're not handling it properly anymore, but it's, I don't think it's good writing should be able to handle any length of show. It's the fact that the writing isn't handling the length is the problem. Because who's to say that if they made it 12 episodes, that it's not a four-episode-long plot that they pad into 12? I mean, (laughs) if you can't fix the writing issue, then then you don't fix anything. But the reality is, is the season had a what a 12 episode arc and then they just had to throw filler in you know for another 10 episodes i mean you mentioned it as much as we love the thanatos and the slate and these sort of side quests if you take them out uh, you and focus it down just to the Caden james and diaz story how many episodes is that well they need something that builds incrementally like slade's plotline did where it was something like in every episode you see like the different threads being pulled on what uh brother what's his face was doing what was his name the councilman that Slade had in his pocket. Brother or something. I can't remember his name anymore. I want to say Brother Voodoo, but that's not right. That's a Marvel character. But <laughs> it... I'm sorry, what, Ashley? Was it Brother Blood? Brother Blood, that was it, yeah. Oh, you're talking about season two. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, like season two, everything built incrementally. There was a very focused plot line, and, you know, even if, like, the particular episode wasn't focused on the main plot, there was something that happened in the background of that episode that went towards the 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 plot line and for whatever reason they're not conceiving their seasons that way anymore and that's that's the problem i mean flash season one's another great example of that i mean flash that's another one that 23 episodes was just right i don't know if there's been a lot of turnover in their writers or what but you know they they need to go back to building their seasons that way then then the only other thing i will say about that is Season two of Arrow and season one of Flash, they only had two. There were only two Berlanti shows right. at that time. Now they've got five. Maybe they're just being pulled in too many directions. That's very possible. Well, I mean, six really, if you count Riverdale, which even though it's, <laughs> even though I don't care right. about it and I don't watch it, it is part of what they're producing right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Ashley, um, the the trial of Oliver. What do you think about it? Yeah, I kind of agree with what others have said. I like the idea and the concept of it. I think it's kind of cool to bring a little bit of that legal drama feel. But you're right, I think it kind of built up, then it went away for a while, then it came back, then it went away, and then it came back kind of at the very end where Oliver does out himself and say, like, yes, I am the Green Arrow. So um, that was kind of, I would have preferred it to maybe be more of like a straight buildup that kind of comes to a climax, kind of comes up. I'm glad that killed him Green Arrow because like they've been there like oh he's the Green Arrow there's another explosion. oh he's the Green Arrow there's and so I kind of like that they're just putting that now I hope they don't have it again because I think it's like to see them move on with it because I think that would be the fact that now his secret identity is actually revealed yeah um I I well, yeah, with, with regard to what went on with Oliver and the trial and his identity, the thing that I thought was interesting was because knowing, because the news that Roy was going to be a regular in the next season came out while there were still a few episodes of Arrow left. And so when they did the whole thing of cast, you know, saying like Roy was never the Green Arrow, but actually it was Tommy Merlin, I was like, oh, this is their way of making it so that they've still cast the blame away from Oliver, but now they've also been able to cast the blame away from Roy as well. So yeah. that way they can blame 
blame Tommy Merlin and sort of be like, so Roy can come back and nobody will think he's the Green Arrow. But now, of course, with you know, Oliver at the end, you know, outing himself, that that was a big surprise to me because even though looking at it in hindsight, it was really the only move that Oliver had and it was the only way to like fix, you know, the mess that, you know, had been building the whole season behind the scenes with the team and everything else was to just take responsibility. I mean, that's probably the biggest act of 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 of, of emotional maturity that Oliver has displayed all series <laughs> is to finally say, you know, I'm not going to fight this anymore. I'm going to just, you know, uh, you know, out myself, get the help that we need, and <laughs> he had two choices, right? He could be a husband and a father, or he could go to jail. You know. <laughs> Well, he could be a husband and a father and let the city go to pot under Diaz. <laughs> no, or he I'm could go to jail. I'm just saying, I'm saying he ran from responsibility straight to jail. Oh, well, <laughs> see, I disagree with that, Dick, but... <laughs> but anyway... So yeah, I, I I thought that was interesting, and that was the the way that they chose to play it. Now, I mean, well, well, well I'll table season seven speculation. Um, the, the last thing I want to talk about with season six is, uh, and I'll and I'll let you guys talk about. You know, we'll have like an open thing of of anything you felt like we should have talked about, we didn't. But uh, the last thing I want to talk about with season six is Black Siren's arc. I'm someone who does not hate Laurel. I know there's a lot of people who hate Katie Cassidy, hate Laurel. I wasn't happy with them killing her off only to bring her back as an Earth 2 doppelganger because I feel like that's getting kind of like hokey. I wish they had just never killed off Laurel in the first place. And then I also feel there's a problem with too many canaries. <laughs> you know, which is why I thought Dinah might be the one who dies this season because I'm like, well, if they brought Laurel back, they're probably not going to kill her off right away. So maybe Dinah dies, especially since she has no personality. Yeah. But, uh, oh. so that was kind of surprising what ended up happening with that arc. So... Ashley, let's start with you. What did you think of the the Black Siren arc? It was interesting. I would at the beginning of the show, I wasn't the biggest fan of Laurel, but she really grew on me as the show went on. And then she actually got a chance to be a superhero and become a member of the team. And they kind of moved beyond like her and Oliver's past relationship drama, and like kind of actually let her get into being a character. And then they killed her off, so I was really sad about that. But so I was kind of excited to see kind of a villainous version of Laurel. And so I thought she was kind of cool. But even though it is kind of confusing to have two people with kind of basically the same power like you said who are both canaries but it was cool to see her back and um i guess she's kind of not evil now maybe so it will be really interesting to see how they kind of work her back into the show so i think i'm kind of like you i would have preferred that they maybe not have killed laurel and just kind of let her grow and continue to become a member of the team but it is good to see her back and i think maybe we'll get this new evil laurel will become less evil over time and may become more like the laurel we were used to but have to wait and see i guess for that yeah i mean just for some behind the scenes info i mean she needed to leave because of what was happening with her father you know her, her father is david cassidy oh, and right. so yeah he was in a bad way and she had to leave the show for a season and then you know she was able to come back once he passed i guess and so that's why she was you know that they, they wrote her back in as the earth 2 doppelganger version okay. so that makes a lot of i sense. just wish they hadn't killed her off because i think that you know as much as i didn't like season three of arrow I felt that her arc was the one good thing about season three and her basically ignoring Oliver, telling her to, you know, basically stay at home and being like, no, I'm going to do this. You know, my sister's dead and I'm going to take on, you know, the responsibility of protecting people like she did. And I, I loved all of that. And then, you know, like you say, she was becoming a more interesting character and then they killed her off. And I was like, no. I know. She was like really coming into her own and like I was really rooting for it. And it's cool to see her as a main character and kind of, 
form a friendship with Oliver again, like kind of putting aside some of that past relationship drama, but then was kind of says like, Oh wait, now she's gone. So and I feel sorry for poor Quentin. Like he's just had the worst life ever. But <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> a problem for him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, what about you and, uh, and black siren? Uh, well, okay, first off, let me just say, if we can have, like, a city full of archers, we can have two canaries. That's not a problem. <laughs> That's true, but... <laughs> but I've, when she was first introduced in Flash, you know, brought over by Zoom, and then her arc through Arrow, I've gone from thinking gone from thinking of her as from uh, from evil to... She's more of, like, I don't know, chaotic neutral or something Yeah, she's like very that. opportunistic she's so- and, and a survivor. Yeah, exactly. She's about herself. And uh, I think uh, exposure to Quentin, to her father, to the other Laurel has pushed her in the right direction. But I think she's crossed lines that she can't necessarily come back from, or at least not easily. But then again, maybe not. I mean, we're talking about the mass murderer that is Oliver Queen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, what line has she crossed that Oliver hasn't? (laughs) Frankly speaking, like... uh, I guess the one of one of my bigger disappointments this season was just the way that Dinah basically just forgave her for killing Vigilante. I feel like next season they need to go into that a little bit more. There has to be something to, to come of that. I don't want just over the course of two seasons for this Laurel, for Black Siren, to just ease straight back into the life of Laurel Lance. It just seems too pat. Well, hey, you were the one that was arguing that Diaz is just such an unstoppable force that everyone, you know, that it makes perfect sense for everyone to just fall in line. So the argument that Diaz made her do it then is perfectly okay. Yeah, well, no, but even when someone makes you do something, you still have a choice. I mean, it would have been her death, but, you know, that still would have been... The, I guess the hero's choice or something sure, like that. Sure. No, I know. <laughs> I'm not saying I would <laughs> but I expect you know the good guys. <laughs> um, James, what do you think about the uh, the Black Siren arc? So I actually, this is the one one of the few things in this season that I'm not just like, Ugh. okay. So I honestly really liked her arc. I mean, that's the thing is, I think the writers live in this universe knowing that they could. I mean, it's it's the DC universe, right? There's a multiverse of characters available to them. So it's just like, we could kill one, and then we could still bring them back, uh, you know, by some sort of, like, schlocky writing or whatever the case. Like, they, they have a million reasons to be able to do it. Right. I'm one of those who I couldn't stand Laurel. I hated Laurel Lance with a passion. I just, I didn't like, I don't know what it was either. Like, I can't nail it down specifically. I just, I didn't feel for the character at any time. Like, she felt whiny to me. I thought there was a lot of very interesting development with this character where you get to see a different version of this character who didn't have, you know, the presence of, you know, this really strong father figure, you know, throughout her life. And so she went down a dark path. And um, as said, having that presence of knowing it's not her father, but he looks like her father and he kind of wants to be her father. You know, the fact that like that changes her in so many in so many ways. And we 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 see her to start coming around to that good side. But it does beg the question of whether or not like those dark tendencies are going to be there. Part of me hopes so, mostly because that just adds more to the show where like that's the new that that's the new side conflict of things is um, very much that level of like. You know, I don't know. I don't know that she needs to go full like Damian Wayne with it and just be like, we should kill everybody that's bad. I don't know that we need to go down that side, but definitely like the conflict of, you know, 
fighting with that that continued demon of her past of being like, you know, well, before I'd have just ended that guy. You know, I don't want to see her, as said, slip right back into like the shoes of the old Laurel Lance and be like, hey, I'm suddenly a law jockey who knows a lot of things. (laughs) It's just like, I'm sorry, by reading a few law books, you don't suddenly become a lawyer overnight and easily be able to take on the role that somebody else actually went to school for well, before. Well, but she doesn't need to take the bar again if uh, everyone's convinced that she is the same person, so she can just, like, show up in court. And, <laughs> and you know, Star City thing, needs a new DA. Right? So. <laughs> well, but, that, but that's just it. Is like, like, she was a very competent lawyer, and it's just like, you read a few books. Do you think you can do that? She can watch some movies, and she can fake it. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you know object, what more do you need? <laughs> Yeah, as long as she doesn't watch the wrong movies and then just keep going, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> she binge watched Night Court for you know a few Aww. days. This episode's dedicated to Harry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I-, I was really happy with what they did with uh, Black Siren in this season. Um, I said last in the last episode that if they wanted her to have a redemption arc, then the death of Quentin was probably going to be how to kick it off. And I think that that's the direction they're probably going next season because, you know, uh, the one time that she's ever showed remorse in, in season five for anything that she did was when Chase had her kidnap Quentin. And I was like, there's something there. And of course, in this season, we find out he was murdered when she was like 13 or 14 or something. And on her earth. And so she actually cares about, you know, her father and misses her father and wants, wish that she had had a better relationship with her, you know, that she, that she still had a relationship with her father, that he was still around for her. So I loved all of that. They were acting their brains off, um, Katie Cassidy and Paul Blackthorne with the relationship between the two of them i liked how it wasn't super easy that like all that quentin had to do was be like hey baby you know i can be your new dad that's kind of like your old dad and it's just like oh okay you know that it was actually like some real difficulties (laughs) where she was still thinking about cutting town and that you know she she wasn't sure that she could really trust him and all of that dynamic that was going in there but the, the fact that he loved her and that he wanted her to be part of his life was was so well conveyed and even though i had the feeling that it was coming when they actually killed quentin off it was it was powerful i mean it was upsetting to me because he's such a fixture of the show and even though he's had his ups and downs looking at you season three (laughs) season four wasn't much better for him it was better though um for him it was better but yeah um uh, you know, he's he's always been like a stand-up guy. I mean, he except for season three, he's always been a stand-up guy, <laughs> and you know, he's always been someone that they can depend on. And while I get that the way the show has been going, there's been less of a role for him. You know, it's just ugh. and and it is the way to catapult. You know, we talk about fridging female characters, but this is definitely a case where they killed him off to propel her story forward. I think. And so, I'm sorry to see him go, but I, I think that we will start to see her, uh, you know, have a redemption arc of some kind. But like you guys have been saying, I don't want it to be easy. Because she has done a lot of horrible things, and it shouldn't just be like, oh, you're good now. All right. <laughs> you join the team. 
and you know, I, I think it speaks a little to where they're taking it. Uh, that at least for me, when she blew Diaz off the roof, there was still a, a like a two percent of my brain going. She did that to save him. She's still working for him. This is still some part of a plan. I don't think so because I think that I mean her reactions towards him were like the reactions of an abused woman who feels like she has to obey this guy but does not like him in the least and so i i think that she really did use that opportunity that was given to her to to basically be like hey you know what (laughs) i don't have to listen to this guy i've got a superpower you know (laughs) yeah but i mean he was beaten i mean oliver was had aerodrome he had nowhere to run it just seems like she gave him a chance maybe I don't know. I, I I think that she tried to kill him. Um, is what was going on there. But uh, maybe maybe you're right about that. But I I think it will be interesting to see how her arc continues in the next season and and what they do with that. But yeah, and I did like that she got a chance to meet Sarah at the end. Um, I thought that was a nice use of of you know a very a very minor crossover kind of thing. And I'm hoping that maybe even Sarah might be in the first episode of the next season to show that maybe she's had a little bit of a you know of a relationship with this new Laurel too, and maybe that will help in her arc. But I guess we'll see. Well, I, if Sarah does stick around for a few episodes, even if she so much as steps her toe, she needs to stay out of that hospital. Lance's <laughs> stay out of that hospital. <laughs> Yeah. Bad news. <laughs> and away from that doctor. <laughs> so I tried to condense the season as much as possible into just like a few points. Do you, and do you guys feel like there's anything that, that we should have talked about that we didn't? No, I think we nailed it down. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there was anything that really stood out beyond that. Um, I mean, I think everything just started happening very quickly again towards the very end where it was just like this, that, and the other thing. And I was just like, oh, 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 okay. We're just, we're, we're there. All right, <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, they didn't kill off Diaz, which was the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Ashley, was there anything you wanted to talk about that uh, we didn't get to? You know, I think we kind of like the other said, I think we've kind of hit on pretty much the main points and kind of covered what happened with this season. Just kind of again, in conclusion, I think there was a lot of interesting things that happened. I just kind of wish it had been more focused overall. And then I think it would have been, could have maybe ended like on a stronger note if they kind of fully coalesced some of these plans. But be interesting to see what happens next season. Yeah, I, I mean, for one thing, I felt like Anatoly flipped way too easily going from you know you've kind of betrayed me oliver and i'm i'm gonna allow ally myself with your enemies to oh you know what the guy that i've allied myself with is kind of a scumbag i guess i never noticed before now i'm your buddy again <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really especially, him to especially for a character who even himself at one point in the season is all about honor mm. and i'm like hmm none of what you did was honorable <laughs> towards oliver not at all yeah um ryan was there anything you felt like we should talk about that we had to get to i think we covered a lot of it i do think i really expected anatoly to die in the mm. last couple of episodes actually uh, you know uh, one thing we didn't talk about and we don't really need to because i wasn't that impressed with him is uh william i mean i get i get his mom died and everything but it seems like he just pouted the entire season away I look at William, and I then I look at Renee's daughter, and Renee's daughter is awesome, right. and you know, <laughs> she I loved her, you know. But William, I was just I was like, send him to boarding school or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I think they really just wanted Oliver to have the presence of the son so that they could have the agonizing about, can I leave my son without a dad? And, you know, all that kind of stuff that came up several times during the season. And I did like that as one thing that Diggle brought up that I thought was completely fair is, you never ask about how, you know, my son's going to fare if anything happens to me out there. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's all about, oh, well, you know, William, I got to keep William safe. And it's like, a, to, to which Oliver replies, I thought you had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Barry. <laughs> oh, Barry. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, Flashpoint. All right. Um, all right. So, yeah, let's um, let's talk about Season 7 then. Um, and just things that you want to see in Season 7 or things that you're expecting to see in Season 7. And, of course, we have to go with our death pool. Who do you think is going to bite it? So, Ryan, let's start with you. Well, I want more Curtis and Renee. I, I know I'm probably in the minority with them with about that, but I love them. I, I think they're great. I think they got great chemistry together. And I don't know when Renee <laughs> here I said talking about next season but when renee was on the stand and diaz brought in his daughter oh, that yeah. sold me he, that's just, he's just a great actor but as far as next season goes with regards to diaz and the and the villains i thought about this after the fact and i had already deleted the episode so i didn't get a chance to go back and check but it seemed like when they showed diaz alive they showed him with three people in the room with him and i'm wondering if he really did find these mythical longbow uh, archers and if he did if they supposedly were around in the 50s maybe it's the lazarus pits that have been keeping them alive so we can bring it all back to that mm, that's not a bad theory interesting yeah i like that one but for the death pool yeah you know what uh, since i'm gonna go ahead and say it since uh roy's coming back and everything i i'm betting on thea just because of the actresses in out uh, philosophy it's fair Ashley, what about you? Things things that you either want to see or you expect to see in Season 7 and who you think is going to bite it. Oh, well, I really like the theory about the longbow archers in the Lazarus Pit, so I hope that happens. I'm actually kind of excited that they're sending Oliver to prison because that's something that the show hasn't necessarily kind of delved into before, like how he will interact in that prison environment with a lot of people that may he's maybe put in prison and that are not happy to see him. So I actually hope that they don't get him out of prison too quickly. Just kind of let him be yeah. in that environment environment for a little bit and kind of see what happens there and for the person who could die next season i'd actually wondered if maybe diggle was gonna die this season and as much as i love that character that's somebody i kind of think about that they might want to kill off next if they're kind of done with his story arc if they can't necessarily find new material so he could be he's been on my watch list for a little while so he made it through this season but next season i i don't know my heart my heart diggle <laughs> I know, I love I love Diggs. He's so awesome, but I just worry about him. He's been on for a long time. Yeah. They He's like always to near kill the top a big of the person. list. Yeah, they, they yeah. always like to kill a big person off, so hopefully season seven's not his time, but could be. Well, I guess they've had a good run of two people of color on the show at the same time. So I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awful as that is to say. Mm-hmm. At least it's not Agents of Shield where it's like, oh another person of color showed up. I guess we have to kill this one off. Oh. <laughs> James, uh season seven thoughts and uh, who do you think's gonna die? Uh, so I think season seven is going to take place five years after <laughs> Oliver Queen has served a tormentuous prison sentence. And then it's going to be a bunch of flashback scenes all over again. Because they only said this season. They said only this season specifically. They're like, next season, no flashback scenes. That's what they had said. They lived up to it. So now they could go back to it if they want. <laughs> um, 
yeah, no, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how prison changes uh, the character of Oliver if we see a different kind of maturity out of him or whether or not he kind of goes back to like the Leanne Hume <laughs> mental state where he's just like, no, I just shoot everybody in the chest with arrows now, <laughs> in which case, like, that's not all bad. Like, those were the years I liked. I really liked you. Uh, but past that, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, the development with Black Siren. Again, I want to see that, like, that inner kind of continued torture and, like, this darkness when they're, when, when or if she is trying to do, like, the heroic thing, kind of trying to drive her choices. Diaz, man, I don't know. For me, if they brought him back as like a footnote and he was promptly put down, I'd be okay with that. Uh, but I honestly don't know. I like it's hard for me to conceive what what new villains they'll throw in the wake. And and part of me is just like I'm I'm almost bored of the same plot mechanic where, like I said earlier, it's bad guy moves in, bad guy takes over city. Oliver and team defeat bad guy, take back city. Like that that's all that's ever going on. And much like Ryan said, why? Why is anybody still <laughs> living in this city? It's clearly not great. So uh, as far as my predictions for who they'll kill off, um, yeah, Diggle's definitely up there, uh, but who knows? You know, he could die and then somehow be resurrected either on another show <laughs> or within the same universe as a Green Lantern. <laughs> you never well, know. I'm, I'm sure Earth 2 Diggle was actually named Stuart. Right? right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I... Man, beyond that, I don't know. I mean, they could, they they always could kill Felicity off. Um, there's been a couple of times I probably think they're going to. No, uh, I was, they're not going to kill. Look, as much as I don't like Felicity, that is super popular. She is super popular. I dare say she might even be more popular than Oliver himself. So I don't think. Yeah. I think Felicity's the one character who will never die as long as the actress wants to be in the show. She's. She's the she's the Daryl Hick of this universe. Like if she dies, everybody walks. Nobody's gonna watch your show. <laughs> uh, the reality is, yeah, that we probably have a season six and seven because of the actress. So you know, <laughs> mixed blessing. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I interrupted you there, James. So it's Felicity who you're going with, though. I mean, like her or Diggle. Okay. Like I mean, those are the those are. I mean. My heart. They could do, they could do one of the side characters, <laughs> right. but I I don't know that like Renee very much has a feeling of potentially just like walking away, like taking way less of a vigilante role because of like his concerns with his daughter and how fearful he is of like leaving her on her own. So I don't know. I don't I don't see Curtis or Renee being off anytime soon or Dinah, even though she's just she's just grouchy all the time now. Like that's her only. She has no personality. So uh, right. Like it's just like I'm bitter. Cool. <laughs> she have season days? one Oliver. <laughs> Oliver <laughs> season one was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She, she has to go through at least four more seasons before we <laughs> see a little bit of growth. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I'm going to put Dinah down as my as my death pool candidate, and maybe that's not the logical choice, but I don't really... I, here's the reason why I don't see it being Diggle. Stephen Amell has said publicly that he can't see himself doing more than seven seasons of Arrow. I think the whole thing they've been doing with Diggle taking on the role of Green Light, uh, now I'm doing it, Green Arrow, <laughs> and even the hints that they showed in Legends of Tomorrow way back in season one where in the future it's Diggle's kid 
who is the Green Arrow. I think they're trying to hint that the mantle passes to Diggle next, and then from Diggle to his son. So, now obviously that all has to do with Stephen Amell, if whether or not he really walks, or whether that was part of a negotiation tactic of being like, hey guys, if you want me to do another season after seven, you gotta, you know, send a few more truckloads of cash my way, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, because I always take actors saying they're not going to do another movie or another season with a grain of salt, because a lot of times that's about, if I just send this message to the studios, then they know I want more money. So, we'll see. But, I think that they need to keep Diggle around as the pop possible you know successor to oliver so i don't think it's going right. to be uh diggle and like i said felicity is so popular that i just that's why when everybody got scared when she got shot in season four that she was going to be dead i was i was the one going online going it's no way Felicity is not going to die. <laughs> She's not the person in the grave. That's going to be someone else. That's the one person I know for sure isn't in the grave, <laughs> other than Oliver. So yeah, but uh, and I still think there's a problem with two canaries. So uh, just even from like a I don't know a standpoint of of just interest in the in the in the team, it's like give you know you want more variety. So I think that maybe Dinah will just be killed off as being surplus to requirements, but. We'll see. As far as things I'd like to see, I'd love for them to bring Deadshot back. The fact that they're able to bring Slade back tells me that the whole DC mandate that you can't use anyone that's going to be in the movies is relaxed. Yeah. So, um, I think Deadshot was a really interesting character. Having him come back and having him interact with Diggle um, would be interesting. Uh, Slade coming back, of course, as we said. Like I said before, I would like it if maybe they could have um, Sarah around uh, for an episode or two to to be with uh black siren and uh for them to interact i mean we don't know anything about um what sarah's doppelganger on earth 2 was like so that might be interesting too to find that out and uh i don't know i have a suspicion as much as you know you guys are saying like i want to see oliver in prison life i i I didn't even expect to see him going to jail because i expected he was being recruited by the government for some you know ops or something and I still wouldn't be surprised if they he's in jail for like two days and then they pull him out to like be like, hey, you're the new head of the Suicide Squad or something along those lines. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, so um, that's what I'd like to see personally. I'd like to see Oliver as a government agent. So he might have to interact with the team from time to time when he has like missions in Star City. But that would be a way for him to like, for Stephen Amell to step back a little bit in the role and, you know, for, for Diggle to take more of a, a an active role. So. We'll see, you know how it goes. But that's that's kind of my predictions and thoughts about what they're gonna do. But and oh, and I echo James's statements. I want Diaz to die in the first episode of the next season, like have him hit by a Mack truck or something. <laughs> like I'm gonna kill you, you know, like as he's walking, storming down the street, doing his big I'm a big man walk, and then like a, just a truck comes out of the <laughs> done. <laughs> But the longbowman, that's interesting. Who is your death pool choice? My death pool choice is Dinah. Dinah, that's right, yeah. Okay, I'm writing these down. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I would pick Thea, but if she actually is off the show, I don't expect them to kill her off off screen. I, she might do an episode. Yeah, no, and she might. And and they tell her, like, hey, it's... But the, the, the creators have said that they don't ever want to kill her off. They've said that in interviews. And they said, like, we'll always have an open, like, door for her to come back. So oh. I don't think that that's going to happen. It could be Earth 2, Roy. Oh! It's mm. true. Yeah. It's true. We have this option now. That's true. All right, but I don't think we're ever going to see Diggle as the Green Lantern, though, James, as much as you want that to be true. It's all right. I mean, I'll I'll just have to suffer with it and write some fan fiction or something. <laughs>
Alright. Okay, well, thank you guys. This went a little bit longer than uh, than I thought it would, but uh, yeah, I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah. But let's say our goodbyes now and let people know where they can find us. So, Ryan, let's start with you. Well, until next time, Internet, I'm not going to say goodbye until they turn the lights off. You can find me on Twitter, but not really, at Geek Stranger. And from there, you can find my Facebook page, which is, you know, you got a better chance of finding me there. Or on these fine people's social media where I'll probably be telling them they're wrong about this or that or everything. You, yeah, go ahead. Check out GeekStranger.com. I mean, I'm not, so someone should. You know? <laughs> hey, you uh, just promised on the last one you were in that you were going to update it. Uh, you know, I promise a lot of things. Like, you know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I told my wife I was going to do laundry. You know, and we see how that happens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I have every intention. I've got, I've got about uh, five or six like reviews that i've written it's i'll write them and then i just don't edit them <laughs> yeah you know so That's you life. actually got see i thought you just had notes and you had never sat down to actually write them but you've actually written the full review and just haven't oh, taken the time to like post it on the web yeah i mean like the last one the one that's closest to done is transformers the last night <laughs> i could probably post it oh god <laughs> but i'd <laughs> I need to reread it to see what I thought of it. Yeah, see, I'd be interested in reading your reviews. You just don't make them like visible to the public. Uh, yeah, I need to get on that. <laughs> and maybe even post some links to some podcast episodes you were on. <clears throat> <laughs> and the sad part is that one takes like three minutes to do. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was probably a lot easier. Uh, uh, see, I'm like, trying to because the one time you tried to test the the Guthrie bump was that was like during the holidays where it's like yeah. there's no way to really tell during the holiday like t- like now if you updated it and I got a bunch of hits. That's good, but you know what? I've I've got three days off this week due to uh, Memorial Day. I, I got a floating holiday, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna do that. I'm I'm genuinely curious. Uh, I don't necessarily think that exists, <laughs> but we'll give it a try. We'll see what happens. Hey, I got a few uh, downloads when you posted uh, at one point, like, I don't can't remember if it was November or December, but <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a Guthrie bump. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But it was good to have you on the show, Ryan. Thank you for, uh, for being on. Anytime. All right, so James, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? Yeah, um, well, uh, happy good night to everybody. And if you want to find me, I've actually taken to doing a lot of video posts lately. Um, so you can find me on Facebook, at Roman on the Rocks. And uh, I like to do little video updates about games that I'm playing, give little brief reviews of them, and uh, kind of sum that up a little bit. And otherwise, you can follow me, follow me on Twitter as well, at Roman on the Rocks. All right. And James, thank you for being on the show as well. Awesome to be here. And Ashley, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Sure. Well, just thank you again for having me on. I um, always love a chance to talk about geek stuff with fellow fans. You can also find me over at Earth Station One Network. I'm a great crew over there. I do some guests to talk about movie reviews on the podcast and also post uh, movie reviews on ESO.com. So enjoy getting a chance to do that. Yeah, no, and, uh, and I recommend your reviews to everyone listening to this. And, and just as a note to you, this show is part of the ESO Network. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so i'm i'm still i haven't even left it, so. right. <laughs> still on the station so be sure to submit this as billable hours 
There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Filling out an invoice. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, Gordon pays in uh, in station bucks, so <laughs> no value at all on Earth. <laughs> but, uh, Ashley, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. And that's a wrap to our Arrow episode. It is also a wrap to what I think is the longest time that I've ever had between when I started editing a podcast to when I finished it. And the reason for that, uh, if you haven't seen the post that I've made on our Facebook page, is because I had to basically nuke my computer from orbit. It had some malware on it that we couldn't get off. I basically did a clean install of Windows, but I also took the opportunity of upgrading a lot of my hardware. I have new hard drives now. I have a lot more memory. I upgraded my optical drives to Blu-ray drives, and so just various improvements and things, and then having to reinstall every program all over again, it just took a really, really long time to get everything back up and running, you know, make the modifications to the hardware on the computer, all that good stuff. So here I am, and finally I am back to release all the episodes that have been pending. Uh, Of course, we're going to do episodes on Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl to finish off the uh, DCCW uh, show. Um, We're also going to do uh, Runaways, Timeless, The Orville, and Gotham because all of those shows are coming back. So we're going to be very TV heavy for a while. I didn't want it that way, but just because I'm kind of back up against a wall because I want to release those episodes before the new seasons of those other shows hit, or in the case of Timeless, that final movie, I'd like the season two episode up before we uh, that final movie comes out. Uh, I just got to release those episodes next. But after that, we'll get back to doing episodes about movies, about various topics and geekery, about fiction and literature and comics and things of that nature as well. So please look for that. <laughs> it is coming. We have more interviews also lined up. So it's, it's just going to take a little bit of time to uh, flesh out some of this backlog. But now that I've said all that, I would like to hear from you. You tell me, what do you like? What don't you like about the show? And you can do that in a variety of ways. First of all, you can email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also visit our webpage at 42cast.com. Or you can go and leave us a review on either Stitcher Radio or iTunes. So I know I say this all the time. I know that there are quite a few of you listening because I see the download data. Please leave a review. Give me feedback. Anything. I really want to hear from you what you think of the show. I also want to put in another plug for the ESO Patreon. That is a way for you to support the ESO Network and keep this show and the other shows on the ESO Network on the air. So please give that a look on the Patreon website and donate uh, if you can. And uh, it also gives you access to exclusive episodes of this show and all the other shows on the ESO Network. I also have my Chicago TARDIS schedule, which is coming up this weekend uh, as of when this episode drops. Uh, I know that's not a whole lot of advance warning, but I do have quite a few panels scheduled. So if you're at Chicago TARDIS, please drop by and say hi to me if you see me. And uh, so those panels, uh, if you want to check me out, are on Friday, 4 o'clock, Exploring Doctor Who Beyond Television. 5 o'clock, Big Finish Turns 20. 7 o'clock, Babylon 5, Doctor Who and the Art of the Ark. I'll actually be moderating that one. Uh, 8 o'clock, Star Trek Universe. 9 o'clock, DC Universe. 
on Saturday. I only have one panel, and that is Marvel Universe and Avengers Infinity War. And then finally on Sunday, I have uh, at 12 o'clock the Big Bang Theoryverse, 1 o'clock recasting Doctor Who, 2 o'clock Red Dwarf Universe, and that's another one that I'm going to be moderating. And finally on Sunday at 4 o'clock, Invention of Regeneration. So... I think that I'm going to have a lot of fun doing those, and I think it'll be a lot of fun to listen to, so please do drop by if you're going to be at the con. So that's it for the 42 cast this week. Uh, Drop by next week when Dominic Purcell will not be joining us, and until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast, copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.